Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 175. Wow, it's like a quasi-milestone. It's not like a biggie, but uh, given that it's kind of a big milestone and that a big superhero movie came out this past weekend that we'll talk about in a little bit here, and just because we needed a discussion topic that we could talk about for a while because news-wise, oh my gosh, it's a dead week this week. We're, mm-hmm. we're tackling the big one, guys. Our top 10 all-time favorite comic book movies. Not just Marvel, not just DC. Any theatrically released, it has to be theatrically released, comic book movie is fair game. Oh, oh, Josh is already questioning things. There's only one on there that I don't, I'm not 100, I might have to Google. But hey, hi! <laughs> How you doing tonight, Josh? I'm good. I've been gone a week, my dude. Oh, I heard uh, I heard you made some promises last week and some... Freaking dark <laughs> jar jar. I shouldn't be allowed to do <laughs> Q&As anymore. <laughs> I love it when you do Q&As because you give me what I want. <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah no last week was i i'm sorry i wasn't here i uh work was crazy and then my birthday was that week and oh man and you turned old i yeah i'm well yeah uh technically speaking i'm officially an adult whatever that means um don't know apparently some people seem to think that you don't you're not like an adult until you're 30 but they can suck it because i'm still a child that is true. No, uh, <laughs> next year I'll be the big three zero. In which case, it just means we're every other podcast in the world of a bunch of thirty year old white dudes <laughs> talking about movies, pretending they're original. That that's how you know you made it is when you're in your thirties talking about movies. Yeah, absolutely. As a way to cope from hiding from the real world, basically. Um, but Josh, you've been watching anything good lately? Oddly enough, uh, whenever I'm off. Um a week i seem to watch a lot <laughs> i so outside of the uh big air quotes superhero movie that dropped this weekend um i also watched uh secret life of walter mitty which is one of like my top 10 favorite movies for my birthday uh and i rewatched bird box with my little brother of central bulk uh, movie yeah it's just a, it's fine. It's a thing that happens. It, it, it's not bad, but it's not like, oh, my gosh. It's amazing. a quiet place with a different sense. Yes, correct. Um, he has his, he had his wisdom teeth taken out. So he has been like super bored all day. Uh, so bored that after we watched Bird Box, uh, we watched for my first time. Uh, Don't look up. Finally, I finally oh. watched that. And um. I think it just hits too close to home for some people. (laughs) It's funny that you bring up Don't Look Up because you know who did Don't Look Up is Adam McKay. Adam McKay is also in the news lately for some other project that he did. uh, Winning Time, the HBO show about the the Lakers that like everyone and their mother is apparently going to sue Adam McKay for being like, this isn't how we really are in real life. I've seen the whole show. The finale was this on Sunday. I really, really enjoyed it. I uh, I had a big basketball phase in junior high. And so I also, I just like sports history in general. So I was interested yeah. in the show and I could separate the, this is clearly not how Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are. This is not how Jerry West is. This might be how Dr. Buss was. Uh, as a whole, <laughs> I really enjoyed the show a lot and it's already been picked up for a season two. 
I think he would enjoy it. I know, like, any sports person, I think, can mildly enjoy it. But it's just a really well-done show that obviously takes some creative liberties. What I would like to see next, though, is obviously we're getting a season two. Yeah. And this this season was all about Dr. Buss and Magic Johnson's rookie years of 1980 of uh, what can the Lakers really do? And they're going to they're willing to risk it all and basically change basketball. If I'm the creators of this show, I fast forward in time a little bit because this takes place in 1980. I would fast forward ahead to 1984 because that's the first time that the Lakers and Celtics met in the finals. Mm. And then also because that's hinted at a little bit, but that's like it's the very early stages of this rivalry that we would know um, later on down the road. Also, there's some other minor event that happened in 1984. Some green as grass rookie named Michael Jordan came into the league. And I'd be very curious to see how the show would portray rookie Michael Jordan compared to Mm -hmm. how everyone else on the show is portrayed. Everyone's not always necessarily the most accurately portrayed character wise, but in terms of physical appearance, it is terrifying how good the casting is of you see some early pictures and some early game footage of like rookie magic Johnson. I don't think it's an actor. I genuinely think they went back in time and got young Mike, uh, young magic Johnson to be (laughs) in this show. Uh, the guy that plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is outstanding. Larry Bird from the back looks accurate. It's the front. I'm like, <laughs> eh. It's a really good show. Uh, also, I like that they kind of set some stuff up. And there's one episode. This isn't a huge spoiler because it's not a big storyline. Uh, but Magic Johnson is looking to sign with a sneaker company. Uh, like Converse has come to him. Nike's come to him. Uh, no, not, Nike didn't come to him. Converse, Adidas, all the big shoe companies. And then... The guy that runs Nike at the time, Phil Knight, comes up to him just kind of casually. He's just like, hey, we know they've offered you like seventy dollars or $80,000, but here's what I can promise you. A thousand shares of the company right now were valued at $0.13, cents, but you'd be the headline attraction for our shoes one day. And you find out it's the guy that started Nike. And if Magic Johnson had taken that instead of the deal for Converse, which Larry Bird signed with... Magic Johnson would have upwards of $5.6 billion today. Oh, and yeah, so absolutely. That, that actually, that Phil Knight Nike story is getting turned into a movie. And after that episode of Winning Time, I'm like, I'm interested in that movie big time. Which is where I think the Michael Jordan thing could come into. Because um, I wonder who ended up did signing with Nike and becoming the poster boy for that brand. Uh, yeah. So overall, if y'all are on the fence about Winning Time, i check it out. However, I will say it's a very much an HBO show. Make of that what you will. I think certain <laughs> things are cranked to 11 when they don't necessarily yeah, need, need right. to be going. Uh, I don't need to see a coked out man with a cobra. Why not? What could possibly go? You know what? If they're gonna go that ha- that hard in the paint on it, then we need the the '93 Bulls season because like the with actual Dennis last Rodman, dance. Yeah, like with the, all the stuff that Dennis Rodman does. Like, oh yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Sure, Dennis Let's go, actually baby. hooking up with some aliens. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, Dennis oh, dude, is a I would love though. it. Uh, basically, what they did with Winning Time, except the whole episode is Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and the rest of the Bulls flying to Vegas to drag Dennis Rodman's drunk butt 
up off the hotel floor to get him ready for the next basketball game because they had to do that at one point. I'm going, I would love to see an actual TV episode about that. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, man, that would be fun. Uh, yeah, like, well, look at us, like, you know, watching stuff this week, man. Like, ah. And some other surprised. thing that came out. <sighs> do we have to talk about it? Do we have to? I feel like can, there's can an expectation wait? that we need to. <sighs> okay. Um spoiler free obviously i guess until later um so we can't talk God. about hugh jackman coming back as wolverine yeah. and yeah, all yeah, your yeah, wishes yeah. and dreams <laughs> then batman shows up and all your crazy wild theories were 100 percent true there's nothing wrong with this movie whatsoever all the rampant fan speculation that wasn't mm -hmm. at all caused by the marketing campaign of a monster of their own design I'm sure that had nothing to do with our factoring in for this movie <laughs> Um, yeah, this is a movie that happened. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is not bad, uh, but it certainly isn't good. I prefer <laughs> the first one. Yeah, which is saying something because I don't think you liked the first one all that no, much. I will say I rewatched the first one uh, in preparation for this one. It's actually mm -hmm. more helpful to watch WandaVision than the first Doctor Strange for this. There's not a whole no lot. No way, of, really? There's not a lot of elements from the original Doctor Strange that you need to know other than, hey, he had a thing for this girl named Christine Palmer. But if you didn't watch the first one, you absolutely can get it from this movie. Uh, but rewatching it, it's it's pretty good. It's definitely not top tier Marvel, but it's it's pretty good. It's like a not quite as good, but slightly more visually interesting version of the first Iron Man movie. That's, that's what it is. This movie was more self-contained than I was expecting, yeah, and I think that absolutely. disappointed me. Um, and I, I blame the marketing department on that one, and I think Kevin Feige does too. Now we understand why Kevin Feige was so pissed at the trailers for this, because mm -hmm. the trailers show what the movie is not, basically. I think... Yeah. Like, this isn't a spoiler, but there's... The Illuminati shows up in the trailers... That that's kind of the extent of the cameos that you should expect, mm -hmm. and not all of them are utilized well. I'll say that. Or really utilized. <laughs> I none of I think maybe one or two of them were, were the ones that we were expecting. Um, but like also none of the people in that are traditionally in the uh, Illuminati's kind of give or take. But so it's like. At least three All of right. them are. Cool. Yeah. At least three of them are. Let's Excuse see if me. I can describe them without giving away who it is. You've got Mr. Clean, the Gimp from Pulp Fiction, and Gumby. Like, th those are the people that I normally know for being in the yeah. Illuminati. Yeah. But, 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 but I don't. I, no, nope. That's all, folks. It, uh, yeah. I. I will say this, the obviously that monster that they that you see them fighting in the trailer is like the first thing they encounter. Um it looked terrible. It looked really bad. There's and times it, that I'm watching it with Heather, I'm going, um, I can actually see the blue around America Chavez's hair where they didn't key everything out properly. I clearly we just watched too many corridor crew videos. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But like 
I it was one of those it was the end of that little battle is like the moment I was like oh no because I knew my mom was like right now like three seats next to me oh, and I was same, like same I was like oh no this is gonna go south so quick because like I was like okay cool they're gonna stab in the eye and then it pops out and then it rolls down the wit down into the street and they the camera stays on it and I was like whoa 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 I was not ready and I it, oh my gosh like all right yeah cool. i thought when that first happened i was like okay that's gruesome but my mom has seen worse it's yeah. right around the halfway point mm -hmm. that you'll know it when you see the movie if you haven't already seen it but there's a tonal shift and it becomes a slasher movie granted i like slasher movies and i think it, this movie works better as a horror movie than an mcu movie but my poor mom there's definitely <laughs> a halfway point some characters die we'll put it that way but it's not just like a quick death no the deaths oh in gosh. this are very uncomfortable to watch like i love a good slasher death like i josh and i had talked numerous times about oh we love the liquid nitrogen kill in jason yeah. x that's great or josh loves the sleeping bag kill there's oh, certain so kills good. like that in this but it's not fun to watch. Like it's a little uncomfortable and that's coming from a horror fan. There's again, spaghetti. That's if you know, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, but spaghetti was incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Darth Maul was incredibly un uncomfortable. <sighs> um, the uh, gimp from uh, Pulp Fiction was uh, incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable. What happened oh, to that dude. character? Oh, and the the scream no one can hear. Like, oh, dude, I just the white room. Right, let's let's let okay. Let's get into the news so we can talk about that last topic, and then we can kind of do some spoiler talk because I, I would love to actually discuss some of this with you so that you know some of the, the our let's our listeners can hear some of it, our opinions on certain things. Is there anything besides the Illuminati stuff that you want to make sure we point out for Doctor Strange though? anything else you did like or didn't like um okay i will say this um obviously the trailers do not hide who the actual villain is it's, well i think it's... i don't know the trailers say mm -hmm. that they hit it and i'm like no you really didn't no you did not uh so uh, wanda is is the is the villain villain of this film uh she personally she's my favorite character of the movie um but that's also because she's technically the main character of the movie yeah i will say i was very surprised by how quickly they revealed her to be the villain mm -hmm. i was expecting oh, yeah. it to be like a um halfway through plot twist of like completely shift it but expect the turn pretty quickly guys i was very nowhere, surprised too. yeah i think that's the problem and i've seen a lot of people debate this online and i kind of agree of um without delving too much into specifics the reason why she is evil or the things that she is the reason why she's doing the things she's doing is partially explained in previous marvel projects but the biggest factor as to why she is the way she is was shown in a post-credit scene and someone made the argument and i kind of completely agree you can't put information that vital to the progress of a character's arc or the future of your movies something that narratively important in a post credit scene like cameos and everything else are fun but 
when it's something this important to the overall story into a certain character's way that they interact with other characters. Yeah. I think the only other time that I could think of that this should not have been a post credit. It should have been in the actual movie itself is the post credits for Thor. When we find mm-hmm. out Loki is possessing Dr. Selvig, but that yes. feels not right because in, even in Avengers, he possesses Selvig there. So we find out he wasn't actually controlling him all along but yeah Mm -hmm. the reason why wanda is the way she is is from a post-credit scene of another project i'm going you kind of expect people to know every post-credit like sure the diehards do yeah but you're still trying to cater to the casuals this movie's not for casual movie fans i'll tell you that yeah i agree and like i think even with that post-credit it's not even clear what the what they're saying in that post-credit either it's so i'm there's a lot of issues that i have with this uh with this film but you know i i think it's worth at least one watch especially if you're a a horror movie fan so we just talked about dr strange and the multiverse of madness and that being in theaters well when i saw it i think my theater done goofed because i was supposed to see the avatar the way of water trailer attached to dr strange and the multiverse of madness I did not. Uh, the last trailer shows, and then they do like the weird, like, make sure you have your Coke, which is always kind of weird to me that they show that as the final trailer. I'm like, I'm sitting in my seat. If I wanted to drink, I already have a drink. But I start the movie, and I'm leaning over to Heather. I'm like, we didn't miss an Avatar trailer, did we? She's like, no, there's no Avatar trailer. I double check my mom. I was like, did I miss an Avatar trailer somewhere? Like, no, there's no Avatar trailer. So... I think Oops. my theater done goofed because that was the whole hook for the yeah. Avatar trailer was um, it was supposed to be a week, but I guess not was you can only see the trailer for the new Avatar, the way of water in theaters attached to Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is a good marketing idea. I remember when yeah. uh, the Phantom Menace trailer was attached to, I think it's meet Joe black. That's the only thing meet Joe black is remembered for nowadays is the Phantom Menace trailer being in front of it. So I had to wait, like a normal person i had to wait and see on youtube which not to be a stickler and defend james cameron but i think it would have been better if i saw it in the theater because i'm sure that's how he would have wanted me to see it as opposed to a tiny little monitor on my computer before i see it on my tv at home which is even remotely close to a theater that being said even after seeing the trailer my thoughts are no different then than they've been for mm-hmm. the past 13 years I'm not overly excited for this. This movie came out too late. Sure, the visuals look cool, but I think we're at a point in society now that society kind of demands better than just it looks pretty. Again, this trailer looks really pretty, and you can tell the visual effects have really come a long way since that first one. I still didn't care. And I know they said this is a teaser trailer, but the fact that there's no hint to the story at all, it's not like the original one had any story. This teaser yeah. this teaser's already indicative of the entire Avatar franchise. It looks really pretty, but there's not a lot to glean narratively. Yeah, no, I and I agree cuz that was that that's uh the thought process I had with this trailer at least after I I saw it was so like Okay, did you see it in theaters or did you see it yeah, on I saw it in theaters. I saw okay. it like yeah, it, it it was there. So I got to see it on the on the big screen. Um, when the first Avatar comes out, uh, it is 
absolutely leagues ahead visually of everything out right then. This is pretty par for the course visually, honestly. Uh, when you've when we're when we've oversaturated oh not yeah no yeah uh, oversaturation with from from super superhero movies and just the, all of the sci-fi that's happened since then this is like like you said like the visuals are cool but bro like unfortunately not even unfortunately you're gonna have to tell a really interesting really fascinating story that's not just a carbon copy of another story um like it just it didn't do anything for me it's cool looking the dialogue the little dialogue lines in there were like okay cool uh doesn't make doesn't really make sense you know what's your we have no context for what we're looking at so not there's no re no way we can get hyped really about anything so it's it's it was fine i i yeah the past few years, we've seen a bevy of really visually impressive sci-fi movies that have mm -hmm. not done well, just either from a marketing perspective, they didn't deliver, or they just couldn't get the general audience. And I'm wondering where this will fit for people nowadays. Visually, when I'm watching this, I was thinking Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Like, mm -hmm. that looked really, really cool, but there wasn't an engaging story to go with it. I'm wondering, it's like it's been the cool thing for a while, ever since the first Avatar came out, to bash Avatar online. We're guilty of it. We will continue to do so because the first sucks. I'm wondering how much of the general population, besides the 1% the that is film on the film community online, which always seems to think that they're the, the th prevailing thinking of the general population, which is far from it. I'm wondering if the general population is interested in Avatar. Like, it's the cool thing for to hate on the original Avatar, but does the rest of the world still think that? Is there still an appetite mm -hmm. for Avatar? I don't know, because while I don't particularly enjoy the rides there, the world of Pandora at Animal Kingdom here is still mobbed every single day. The Flight of Passage ride still has the longest waits of any theme park in Orlando, so maybe there's still an appetite that's just not uh film twitter so to speak for yeah. pandora I i'll just be very curious i think this movie though has to get at least a billion or it's a disappointment because that first one is number one grossing box office movie of all time if you don't get a billion which is less than half of the original i think it's a disappointment because you've waited for so long yeah no i agree i think the thing too is uh i re i don't want to do this movie to do well because i don't like the series and i don't like that james cameron basically saw the star wars prequels and was like oh dude i've got all these ideas for new avatar movies i should just write a bunch and then wrote like quote unquote wrote eight movies okay buddy sure um that bothers me. So, like, there's a part, a small part of me that doesn't want this movie to do well. However, I want more sci-fi. <laughs> and I, so in order for there to be more sci-fi, sci-fi has to do well in theaters. And so I, there is a, I'm very torn. I want this to do well for the other projects that it, that it might, studios might see, okay, this is working or this is making a ton of money. Well, let me see. Let me fund some other sci-fi projects. 
to like I I want that to happen. So I guess there's a, I'm very torn, very torn because I just don't care about this film. But at the same time, I understand it's kind of quote unquote place in in film history and stuff like that. Yeah, I get that it's important, but Avatar and especially this sequel feels like James Cameron going, I love the water. I want you all to love the water as much as I love the water. Like, I know it was a running joke on South Park of like <laughs> James Cameron being in the little scuba machine and just going to the depths of the earth. Just like, I get it. You like the cool visual stuff and the ocean and water. That's cool, James Cameron. But you've put, like, everything else on hold for this franchise and for this one movie. And it's taken you a baker's dozen years to get this done. So, is 13 years really worth the wait? Like, yeah. we've seen the longer a sequel takes to come out. It doesn't always have the best track record for success when that movie eventually does come out. Looking at you, Anchorman 2. Yeah. Which is does not say much because Anchorman did, did, turned out to not be all that great either. <laughs> the original so, or the sequel? Uh, two, 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 two. Okay, I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, Anchorman one is like it's quotable, but like, is it a good movie? Like, mm, thank I you. Know. I agree. Yes. So here's one that there's nothing concrete yet, but where there's smoke. There's a human torch, because I've been sitting on that one for a little bit here. Uh, so, this is going to be a little tricky to talk about without talking about some spoilers for a certain Marvel movie recently. But we'll get into the spoiler part of that in the second half of, that, of this video. So, let's start us off with everyone's favorite Jim, John Krasinski. Now, John Krasinski recently was on the Amazon show um jake ryan yes it's jack ryan jack ryan it's just jack ryan right it's not like yep it's not like shadow recruit that was the one with chris pine or yeah no it's just jack ryan john krasinski the sum of all fears <laughs> so john that... krasinski the quiet killer <laughs> i don't nope that doesn't sound good nope don't like that uh so he was on this Jack Ryan show, and that show will be filming its final and fourth season up and coming here. He has nothing on his docket now, which is a little interesting, besides executive producing the spinoff for A Quiet Place, um, the prequel directed by Pig director Michael Sarnofsky. So this has led to some very interesting speculation that we're going to dive into now. Because a lot of pieces are seemingly coming together to align for something that fans have been clamoring for for a while. Absolutely. And that is John Krasinski might be the MCU's Mr. Fantastic as well as the one directing the Fantastic Four reboot for the MCU. So why do we bring this up? One, the Jack Ryan thing. He just finished. There was an option for a season five, but they're not moving forward with that. But they are going to do a spinoff of Michael Pena, which is kind of funny that you're just swapping out one MCU actor for another. Um, yeah, obviously. But clearly they want to do more stuff with that. So they're doing the spinoff, which makes me kind of wonder if they did want to do more of this Jack Ryan stuff. But now Krasinski's busy with something else. Yeah. 
The other thing to note that I talked about last week while Josh wasn't here was the director of Fantastic Four, John Watts, just departed the project, citing superhero burnout, which, if that's actually the case, I fully understand and believe that because no matter what he did, fans would crap on his decisions in the Spider-Man trilogy. I think at the end of the day, his choices were absolutely vindicated in the choices that they made. Um, everything ultimately had a purpose in making Peter become who he is. But I think the timing is all too coincidental that John Watts leaves right as another opportunity comes up. Now, here's where we're going to delve into spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is your last chance. Dip out now. Thanks for coming because we're going to talk about Doctor Strange. I think it's it has to be the craziest coincidence in the world that John Watts drops out of the Fantastic Four mere days before John Krasinski shows up as Mr. Fantastic in Doctor Strange. Now, yeah. unfortunately, and I'm still pissed about this, and I will continue to be pissed about this till the day I die, I got the John Krasinski cameo spoiled for me two days before the movie came out. Boo. Someone was posting screenshots from the movie and going, what? You're not cool for doing that. What? Why? Why? So, basically, I saw way more than I should have. Um, but having John Watts depart the same time this fan favorite character shows up or fan highly fan requested actor shows up is a little too suspicious for me to ignore as well as, yeah. oh, you're saying he has nothing on his schedule. Kind of like he cleared up his schedule to be in a long term commitment with some other project. Now, I don't necessarily think he needs to be both the actor and the director. I am fine with either or. But Josh, where there's smoke, there's a human torch, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say, unfortunately, like, so when she goes uh, in the film when she's like, you know, the Baxter Foundation, blah, blah, blah. And I, I popped for the Baxter Foundation. I was like, oh, all right, cool, 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 cool. All right, I'm down. Yeah, let's go. And then, um, and like my theater popped for the Baxter Foundation, and I was like, okay, cool, let, let's go. And it wasn't it, was, it wasn't a big theater. And what was weird is when John shows up as Doctor Reed, everyone was kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, oh yeah, I don't like it is it is cool. But because of the, the circumstances of the movie, you can't, like, get you knew amped. where it was going. Exactly. You couldn't get amped. Because especially with uh, literally the whole scene, Dr. Strange is like, yo, like, Scarlet Witch is going to kill us all. They're like, nah, we're fine. Don't worry. We're the Illuminati. We're good, fam. Um, and first of all, the build of 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 it leading to her blatantly murdering and decimating them the illuminati uh is fantastic seeing her like literally just walk through the the illuminati headquarters just dismantling uh ultron droids was really cool and like kind of terrifying um but at the same time <sighs> mentally I don't know if I'm going to be able to look at John Krasinski's 
um, Dr. Reed, Mr. Fantastic. The same after I just watched him in his first appearance get turned into literal ribbons and float off into existence. Like, I... that What a way to introduce a character, you know what I mean? Like, I... To me, that's such an intense way to bring in somebody and go, hey, you know how, uh, obviously... Uh, Anybody can be anybody in this universe. That's why um, Captain Marvel looks different. And um, we have Captain Britain instead of Captain Marvel. But also, people look exactly the same. So it, the, the rules of multiverse are, are very weird and don't necessarily make a lot of sense. Um, well, I think they did that. Getting back to the Mr. Fantastic thing. I think yeah. they did that to test the waters to see the audience reaction to John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. They can be like, well, if the audience is really responding to him, then we'll go ahead, strike up a deal with him, and make him the MCU's Reed Richards. But if the audience is kind of lukewarm, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Then they can just explain it away as he's a different universe. Like, <laughs> in that universe, as we mentioned, uh, Maria Rambo is Captain Marvel, and Peggy Carter's that version of Captain America, so to speak. So there's all variants don't always look the same. That being said, some variants do look the same. We saw a bunch of different Doctor Stranges, all mm -hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch. We didn't get a oh, that would have been cool. Is if there's a Rachel McAdams Doctor Strange universe out there. That would have been, so that cool. been if Christine became the Sorcerer Supreme in the universe, that would have been awesome. Um But I think them purposely putting Mr. Fantastic in a multiverse movie first is akin to putting Spider-Man in um, Civil War of like, okay, if you respond to certain elements, we'll keep those elements. If you don't, we'll ditch him for his solo movie. Again, mm. like if you like Krasinski, we'll go with Krasinski. I've wanted Krasinski for a while. I think they will go with him. Um, and more and more things are kind of lining up to make me think that of having the Fantastic Four director drop out right before Doctor Strange comes out, having John Krasinski actually finally show up as Mr. Fantastic, and now he's in the clear. He has no future projects. I would not be surprised at all if they announce that soon. Like, the, I think they'll wait a few weeks. This was the news that last week when I talked about the Fantastic Four director leaving, there were certain elements that I was withholding because I didn't want to talk and spoil it for everyone else, but these, this is what I was referring to. Of, I think in a few weeks, once more and more people have seen Doctor Strange and the spoiler becomes not a spoiler anymore, it just becomes common knowledge, then they will announce John Krasinski and be like, oh, we meant to set this up the whole time. That was our plan, because the MCU mm -hmm. has never called an audible, ever. They always have everything 100% mapped out, and... Spider-Man was always intended to be the Spider-Man that he was meant to be dating back to Homecoming. Um, what do you expect Krasinski to be announced and when, if so? Yeah, I think a couple weeks, uh, two, two to three weeks, I think makes the most sense. Um, give everybody a chance to anybody who's going to see it in theaters. I think after two to three weeks is ha will have seen it um, in theaters. Uh, so it'll be kind of more of a, like a general knowledge thing, like you were saying. Um Absolutely. I don't see any reason not not to at this point. Um, I personally, I liked him as 
what what we got of him i liked i liked to hit him as reed um i think the question then is who who fills out the cast the rest of the cast do we bring emily blunt in do we do it do we bring in zach efron as human torch actually honestly i would like it but zach efron has definitely become too old he's now playing father figures in movies and Firestarter coming out later this month i'm just going whoa age sucks the one i'm actually most mad about is we can't use him now because he was in black widow but i was really hoping for david harbour to be the thing Mm. to be ben Grimm. yeah Um, but i i think within the coming weeks we've heard nothing about fantastic four for a while other than john watts leaving i think we're about to get a lot of news really fast about this i think they were waiting for doctor strange to come out with the krasinski stuff to go okay uh also fun aside elizabeth olsen has said in interviews she never met any of the illuminati during filming so they must have filmed at two separate locations to maybe to keep secrecy Um, yeah, I would think so. So I, I would not be surprised if we're going to get a bevy of Fantastic Four announcements real soon about like who's first. It'll be who's directing the movie, who will be the replacement for John Watts. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Krasinski. It'll be a joint announcement of he'll be directing and starring or they'll wait and then just drop everything all at once of director and here's our fantastic four so to speak dude that would be so crazy if they already have everybody cast oh that that would break the internet i absolutely guarantee that would break the internet yeah i i think we're gonna get some news soon and frankly we need to because i still maintain that it might come out in 2024 and that's the case we should probably start getting a move on on that people like we haven't really heard anything for a while. And so maybe it was John Watts figuring stuff out. Maybe it was Marvel trying to keep stuff quiet to meet, bring it full circle. I think there's too much smoke here to be ignored. Again, this is not fact. We're not stating this is fact, but th- this is just yeah. one of those. Like I feel really confident about this. If we're wrong, we're wrong. If it's not him, I said last week, some other options that are like, besides John Krasinski, I like Krasinski to either direct or star in i am fine with either option if he's not a director just bring him back as reed and i think multiverse of madness was just there more or less to test the waters to see how audiences would react to him of going okay yes maybe this is like the audition of okay if you do well with this we'll we'll try you out in the larger context uh yeah and like for in that aspect i can totally see that because that's uh, uh, it's too little of screen time for you to really do anything else with, honestly. Well, this episode, as per usual, is sponsored by T Public, your one-stop shop for all your Uncharted Media merch needs, whether it's t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, notepads, stickers, whatever your heart desires with the Uncharted Media logo or other fantastic Uncharted Media designs. Go there, support the show, and wear awesome stuff. Now... We got, a, I'm sure, a lengthy discussion here involving our top 10 all-time favorite comic book movies. Now, I think it's very important to bring up the distinction that these will obviously be our biased favorites. We're not saying that these are the best comic book movies ever made. These are just our individual favorites. Like, there's some movies that you'll be like, well, that should be higher. From a technical standpoint, yeah. Like, I'm sure some people... 
are probably going to be pretty pissed where I put Logan on my list. Spoiler alert, Logan's on my list, but some of y'all might be pissed where I put it. Just because this is my best list. Like, my favorite list. It's not necessarily the best in terms of quality. It's my personal favorite list, and I'm sure Josh thinks yep. the same thing. I will also say it was tough making this list because you gotta... With 10, some unfortunately have the number 11 or number 12 that just, like, barely missed the cut. So stuff like mask of the phantasm not mask of the phantasm batman begins batman begins into the spider verse yeah thor ragnarok like like stuff like that the crow all of these i wanted to put on there but there's just not enough room in my 10 i'm so i'm hoping at least some of those are on josh's list I mean, I, I think it's really funny because I, I you and I know each other well enough that I I feel like I could guess some of them. But I, I think know Josh could a, guess all ten of mine, but just not I probably could. actually. I think Josh could guess nine out of the ten. One of them I think is a wild card, but the question okay. would be where would I put each one yeah. so to speak and it the answer yeah. might surprise josh a little bit today <laughs> well i think like you both you and i are, are not going to be surprised really at each other's list uh but gosh damn like, let's like let's get into this man like i'm i'm so super excited hold on I'm, did i miss sleep did i miscount again i like i like went through my list okay, like four like, times it's hard. before this how do you do that when we only have 10 it made sense when we were ranking the marvel movies because there's like 20 plus and it's easy to lose count on that oh that is okay that's why that's why i no no i didn't miscount i just didn't put a number there's a difference did you put ninja turtles <laughs> number four too high on your list with there's venus not a, DeMilo? Ninja, there's not there's not a 90s ninja turtles four i don't know what you're talking about there wasn't it was in the 2000s we don't talk about that film it does not exist you mean you don't have fanfic of venus de milo no i don't however if a jenica movie ever came out i'd watch the crap out of that anyway it's gonna go the the way of red wall oh stop don't do that to my heart hey wait no i know what you're saying okay anyway let's get into (laughs) our number 10s i hate you so much (laughs) so my number 10 um this might be surprising at least where it is on the list for you for uh as far as what what movie this is is the 2004 hellboy with ron perlman no that makes sense it's it's good yeah it's a good time uh it's Definitely will not put Hellboy 2 on here, and definitely the the Golden Army, and definitely, unfortunately, was not going to put David David Harbour's um, Hellboy on here. Did you ever actually finish that one? I I finished it out of 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 like I have to, I have to finish it at least. Um, sure, fine. Is it more quote unquote comic book accurate? Yes. Does it make it for an entertaining story? No. <laughs> so. Yeah. But oh four Hellboy, oh four Hellboy is fantastic. Uh, Story wise, it's not really doing anything very new. Uh, you know, oh, I've got a per- thanks for my adopted father. I've got a because of his death, I have to find out who I truly am and what I'm truly capable of. Um, the CGI is not over the top, but it still holds up reasonably to this day. Because a lot of it's practical. Um, absolutely, and Ron Perlman is just charming as hellboy uh fantastic great times so yeah here my number 10 is the one that might surprise josh 
okay, being on okay. my list. And honestly, when I was making this list, I was just going, is this really going to make the cut? But honestly, of all the movies on this list today, this is probably the movie that I've seen more than any other superhero movie and more than a lot of other movies. 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This movie, I think I could actually quote the entire movie. I've seen, I wore out the VHS, I wore out the DVD. I'm still waiting for them to make a 4K remaster. Yes, I have the Blu-ray trilogy, but I'm, I would like a 4K remaster of that original one and no others because, wow, Secret of the Ooze has not aged particularly well as I get older. No, no like, it has not. <laughs> I think it was Honest Trailers. I think it was Honest Trailers that pointed out when they get stuck in the trap. I'm like, Leonardo has swords. Why doesn't he just cut them down? The fact that they never actually use their weapons in the second one. But the first Ninja Turtles in 1990... Has great action, great comedy, great wisdom in terms of wise man once said, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. Pizza Pizza guy's got 30 seconds. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. I love that. And like, I think like for me, and I'll definitely talk about this more later. uh, (laughs) um, There's so much to like there. And I think even like it's incredibly it's a practical film and there's not i mean there's not obviously not a lot of cg that they did in this film because of the time that it was so it's a lot of it is practical but like just the idea that the the heads are completely animatronic it was like incredible you can see the people's faces at times when they open the mouths too wide (laughs) (laughs) the best casey jones ever oh absolutely that casey jones is fantastic Uh, what you guys did there is a first class felony so uh we're gonna be spending some time in the penalty box we got five minutes of checking five minutes of four high sticking and if we're lucky a little bit of home run derby (laughs) and i love when him and is it him and donnie have that alphabet insult going back and forth uh Puss breath, fart, liquor. No, that's Sandlot. When they're working on the car and they're going alphabetically, making fun of each other. Um, yes. But also, like, it. the fight choreography for anim- for people in big, hot, sweaty suits is surprisingly good. Um, <laughs> and for the 90s, at that, too. Oh, yeah. Jim Henson and his company just knocked it out of the park. Uh, but it, the movie's just, like, ingrained into my brain. I've seen it so many times. Like, I can just picture... Hey, Donnie, Wheel of Fortune, dude. And they just spin him around the room. <laughs> yes. And then you realize uh, that other later shows would just borrow heavily from that movie. Like when I remember in the 2000s animated Ninja Turtles, there's a subplot where Raph gets pissed like he always does and goes off and does his own thing. And Shredder and the Foot ambush him and basically leave him for dead and throw his carcass into April's apartment. And realizing, oh, hey, you stole that from the 90s movie. Yeah. Also, like for a kids' movie, it's pretty intense. I oh mean that that's it. That Teenage Ninja Turtles movie in general, it gets pretty dark <laughs> really quick. My only criticism is Shredder gets crushed in a garbage can, but we only ever see the helmet get crushed. I'm just like, well, how did you know he was even in there to begin with? But it splinters great. All oh, fathers care for their sons, and you're like. <laughs> but we know the real reason why the Ninja Turtles is the best. 
It's because it's early Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell makes a cameo offering cigarettes to oh a child. Oh my gosh, no way. Really? That's Sam Rockwell. He's like, do you want oh. menthol or whatever? Whatever the other option was. That's Sam Rockwell with the really deep V-neck. At the end when he rats out Shredder, he's like, you'll find a warehouse on Eastman and Laird. Oh, no way. That's Sam okay, Rockwell. Cool. Also, okay, like... Obviously, that's an uh, that's a great reference, even before you know Easter eggs of like, hey, it's over on Eastman and Laird, the people that created the Ninja yeah. Turtles. Now Josh Love is going to go back and watch just for Sam there, Rockwell. Well, there's there's a lot of really, really cool stuff like um, in the scene when ugh, dang, I'm going to have to I'm we're going to revisit this eventually. Anyway, we know this. Um, the scene where it's it's right before raf meets casey and he's hopping over cars and he slides on that vehicle and the cab driver yells at him that's the voice actor for raf yelling at him which is like oh that's so cool is that a that's giant so cool. turtle eh. yeah it's in new york <laughs> where do they come up with the stuff <laughs> gosh i love that film oh so good bossa oh. nova what <laughs> what chevy no. nova no nah. yeah. Cowabunga. Cowabunga. <laughs> love it now, gonna, like, now I, I really have to go back and watch that movie. <laughs> dude, i might go back, back and watch it tonight that's such a good time it's like oh god okay we got we got we gotta we gotta move on we gotta move on okay so uh i'll, I'll you want do you since i went first we'll just alternate yeah you want to do boom boom go back sure yeah? let's do that all right what's your number nine big guy <laughs> so number nine i'm really glad that i started i didn't intentionally do this but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're going to go from Cowabunga to my man, Aquaman. Uh, Out of gosh. Boy. Aquaman is one of the first movies I've seen in a really long time when it comes to comic book movies that puts more emphasis on the first two words of those three than the last one. For better or for worse, yes, Aquaman has some issues, but it embraces the comic book side just as much as it embraces the movie side so much of the time especially with marvel stuff they don't want to lean too heavily into the kookiness or the bright mm -hmm. colorful nature that is comic books like i'm I'm happy we're kind of getting out of that with ragnarok and as much as i had some issues with dr strange that had this thing called a color palette and vivid Dude. saturation like it was so much better i've seen side by side of what dr strange looked like in infinity war compared to multiverse i'm going oh, skin tone um, yeah but then cut to aquaman where you have a beautiful grown man riding a seahorse into battle and you fully believe it when he has julie andrews voicing a kraken as his backup while he fights an evil man named ocean master with the most vivid of blues and oranges from an underwater volcano while a man with laser eyes tried to kill him earlier in the movie Aquaman fully leans into its source material and I love it for it. It is proud to be a comic book. There's so many times that I felt like I was reading the big splash panels, the the full page panel of a comic. I'm like, oh wow, that takes up a full page or even two. The final shot of Aquaman when he jumps up into the water, he's got his gold and green suit. I'm like, that looks like the cover of a comic book. I love mm -hmm. it. I love the color palette. I love Jason Momoa. I love Willem Dafoe being a good guy for once. I love Patrick Wilson as Orm. I love the relationship between um, 
Arthur Curry and his father, a healthy, living, breathing father, living parents throughout the entire movie. Granted, he thinks one of them was dead for most of the movie, but they're alive by the end of it. That doesn't happen in superhero <laughs> movies. You're not allowed to be happy in these things. And the nah. fact that this, this is, for lack of a better term, Aquaman is a happy movie. Every once in a while, that's okay. I don't need all my heroes to be mopey, droopy, sad, depressed dicks. I'm okay with bright, vivid colors from time to time. It's also why it was hard, but I didn't have Shazam on my list because Shazam's kind of in the same camp of, let's have fun with this. We're named Shazam, for God's sake. Absolutely. Like Aquaman goes balls to the wall, braces what it is, and I love it, but still tells a really good story. Granted, the story is just thor basically except underwater <laughs> but it, it's good and i love it so much yeah i know i agree that's wow we'll, we'll be returning to to that one as to well under the sea and uh Dasi. but for now we're gonna go back to new york because uh i don't think this i don't think daredevil probably, from 2003 you've, you've probably seen this movie maybe once Electra, but, but 2012's Kick-Ass is literally that one takes of place the, in New York. Yeah, my dude. I clearly have only seen this once. <laughs> yeah. But like, also, if I was to see her and be like, "It's coming, at, it's knocking at the door." Oh no, that's Ghost Rider. That's from but Ghost he, Rider, idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, it's still got Cage in it, my dude. Not the same. And he's just the as cage, great. He's Big just Daddy's as good. Cage is not the same as. Johnny Blaze's cage. That's two That's, different cages. I man. don't know. Mm, mm, I don't know. That no, scene where like, he's, he's where he's, he's guiding her. He's got restraint <laughs> at least in Kick Ass, whereas <laughs> Spirit of Vengeance, he's got his weird like nouveau shamanic like voodoo high priestess acting going on. Jeez, those are some big words you got there, buddy. I'm no, so no. proud of you. Nouveau shamanic is what he describes his acting method as. Oh, no, no, Especially no. Spirit of Vengeance. Like, that's actually the, the term he came up with. Oh, my gosh. The man yeah, is when, so When crazy. I get it, you're going to need to see an unbearable way to master talent. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They I actually bring that up. Oh, my gosh. Look, go. I might I might be seeing it in a couple days. So Do we'll it! See what happens. It's the I best movie of the year. <laughs> but Nicholas Cage that and being Kick-Ass. said... Also... I enjoy Having it too a, because Aaron Taylor Johnson gets his butt kicked, dude, a I lot. And but like, I love that part. I love that that it's in the movie, not just because of the of the actor, but like having your main character who legitimately gets his butt kicked, and he's like fine for the most part because uh, he quote unquote can't feel it. Uh, <laughs> but like physically, having emotionally, like your, yes, yeah. <laughs> but like also. Hit Girl is one of the coolest characters on the face of the planet. Uh, she's cooler, I guess, in the second one-ish. Uh, I don't, I'm not that big of a fan of the second one, but I like I don't think a lot of people this, are. No, I, mm, there's a, good, a lot of good reasons for that. But I think between uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, she's uh, oh, Chloe. Grace Moretz. Yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz and, and Nicolas Cage, like, they just kill this film. And, like, it's just – it's so entertaining. It's so interesting. Like, it, at some – at certain points, 
you know, uh, color is a is a huge thing in this in this film. Every, everybody has good. Vivid I will say colors. Matthew Vaughn is always very good about color, whether it's Kick Ass, whether it's X Men First Class. But you're forgetting one name that really makes Kick Ass great. Mark Strong as the bad guy. Oh, dude, he's so yeah. good. Like he's he has the no dad. Children. Yeah, like he. There's like legitimate moments where like this guy is an absolute terrible person to the point where like where his son is kind of like <laughs> like a villain junior. McLovin. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm looking all McLovin. Like even McLovin is like actually kind of like an interesting ish character in this film as well. We're just so gonna it's... call him McLovin because it's <laughs> the movie's name, while better. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> but like that's the other thing is I love that the movie, uh, a lot like Aquaman, isn't afraid to like embrace the just stupid weird stuff that's from the comic. Um, fan, it's just good time. I I personally enjoy it. I don't think you you're you're surprised at all by me bringing up that movie. Um, <laughs> no, not really. All right. So, number eight. <sighs> This is where like stuff starts getting really, really tough. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. Um, so number eight is Thor Ragnarok. Wow. Yeah. I pegged that uh, for top three, definitely. Mm, I, I don't think you'll be surprised by my top three either, but still. Um, yeah, number eight for me is Thor Ragnarok. I think it is the savior of the Thor character after Dark World. While Dark World is not as bad as I think we, as we originally, upon first ver viewing at the time, it's like, it's not that great of a movie, but like, it's not terrible. Um, it's entertaining, but it definitely, you could tell that Chris did not want to keep doing Thor after that, if that's what Thor was going to become. And so then in comes Taika Waititi with this fantastic sense of humor and this, uh, this vision of color and just fun that brings it. Thor is a completely different character in the best kinds of ways. All it took was um, a haircut. All it took was a haircut <laughs> and uh, teleporting to a, a new world. But and meeting well, a rock man, yeah. Which meeting is the have rock. you seen the the interviews uh, or with Taika about Korg? I, I saw so. this randomly. He was like, "So they had the, the so I have it in my contract that you know that I can." Uh, do a pass by on 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 the script, a final pass as far as if I need to do dialogue script like tweaking or what have you. Um, and originally they were had this like this rock character, and Marvel was kind of like, yeah, like he's there. We don't really have big plans for him or whatever. And I was like, cool. Well, could could I voice him? They're like, yeah, that would be funny. And then he's like, and then they see like the, the test the test movie, and they're like, man, this core guy's around a lot more. <laughs> Piss off, ghost! <laughs> Fantastic. I the all even so the side long, characters are entertaining. They're so good. Jeff Goldblum, who I going into this movie was the one guy I was not sure about, is absolutely the best thing in this he's movie. Just um, Jeff Goldblum, basically. <laughs> he legitimately is. But like, I love that he. It's an obvious intention that he he tries to while be entertaining is still like villainous and still feels like, Hey, like something actually might go wrong here. Like he's not just like a real charming guy. Like there's a sense of dread behind those eyes. Um, and like his, the real like, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> that man, I love him to death. Uh, but I but don't know if like, I want to have a conversation with him. I yeah. Don't know if I'm it's also terrifying. Um, 
but like Mark Ruffalo finally getting a moment to shine in this in this movie too, uh, both as Hulk and as Bruce Banner is, it's just a great movie. The music's fantastic. Oh, Action's music is fantastic. so good. God, like I just, it's such a good good movie. So, like you surprised me with your number eight, I might surprise you with my number eight because. It's usually pretty high on my list for a lot of things, mm-hmm. but granted, there's been some other stuff that's had to dethrone it. Like, some other stuff has to be in the way of this, unfortunately. So, my number eight, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Really? It Interesting. Had, it had okay. to slot somewhere, which sucks to say, because yeah. for a really long time, it was my number one favorite MCU movie. And it's absolutely still under discussion. As a standalone movie, there's absolutely a strong argument to be made that it's the best. I love The Winter Soldier so much. I don't mind Captain America the First Avenger. Actually, the older I get, the more I like it and appreciate it. I think that and the first Thor are actually kind of underrated with the rest of the MCU. Everyone's like, oh, Ragnarok's great. The first, Th- the first Iron Man's great. The first Thor is not nearly as bad as people make it out to be. And Joe oh, Johnson no. did a really good job with the first Captain America of embodying that era's Captain America. But Winter Soldier just really took things to the next level in a big way of, okay, how does Captain America, a potentially outdated character, fit into a modern context? All my worries were relieved in that first 10 minutes when they're on the mm-hmm. boat rescue with his yeah. banter between... Um, him and Black Widow of just like so what about Kristen and accounting Eh, too busy or too shy Uh, too nervous or too shy too busy and then just jumps out the plane and then Frank Grillo the best Frank Grillo I'm still mad that they wasted his crossbones is he wearing a parachute nah no he wasn't (laughs) but then he's just awesome in Captain America basically clears out the ship and then you've got captain america versus george st pierre with that great lineup i thought you were more than just a man with shield takes the helmet and takes the shield off and shows oh cap's been studying his hand to hand and his (laughs) physics defying front flips Um, yeah but then you get (laughs) what i love is the subtle details of whether they intended it or not of bucky tells captain america in the first movie hydra's not going to come at you with a pocket knife Hey, Bucky tries to kill Captain America with a pocket knife and Winter Soldier in that hand-to-hand fight. <laughs> um, I think it's just a great story. You get um, basically further invested into the world that they're building. They introduce great new characters with arguably the greatest supporting character in the MCU. And I'm great glad he's no longer supporting character with Anthony Mackie's Falcon. Falcon mm. was the best is the best still is the best i loved him as soon as they cast him i was like i'm gonna love falcon and anthony mackie proved me right loved him in that it was also our first mention of dr strange was in winter soldier mm-hmm. i just think top to bottom it is one of the most perfectly well-crafted marvel movies of all time however there's seven movies that i like more as tough as that is to say as much as i love winter soldier it's definitely still in my top three to five in the mcu all time I am realizing I put some of these in the wrong order, number-wise. Oh, number-wise. That, that's kind of important. Ragnarok is actually your number one. Ah, no, no, we're we're fine up to up up to this point, but um, 
Yeah. I just like realized how low a certain movie was and I was like that. Nah, that doesn't make sense. Nah, 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 nah. hold on. <laughs> so uh, we are what? Number seven. We're doing number seven now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um, so Carl Urban is one of our favorite people on the face of the planet. Yeah, it's out and, of mine. I'm so glad this is like yeah. my 13 or 14 that just missed the cut. Yeah, no, and I and I totally feel that. I just have, I think I saw this movie in, in like the perfect time of my life. Like it was coming off of that high of the Bourne trilogy, and like so, like me as a human being starting to you get mean into more like the Bourne trilogy like, starring Carl Urban. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah, because he is, yeah, he's in it. He's he's in them. Uh, but like just coming off of that trilogy uh getting more into like more violent like movies and thrillers and uh i think this was among the stack of movies that i saw and i think you introduced to me to me originally um all good things in your life come from me (laughs) (laughs) but dread is just so good It, it is a bare bones plot it's as simple as you get there's a girl, there's a criminal at the top of this uh, hundred floor <laughs> building and we got to get to her. And there's a lot of people that are going to try to stop us. And just like th- everything that happens in between that for a character that even if you, especially if you haven't seen the Sylvester Sl- Stallone, Judge Dredd, you have no like familiarity with, you have no reason to have any kind of like relationship with this character he is incredibly charm not charming um charismatic i'll go charismatic um he's an interesting character you want to see more of him um he's it i it would would have been easy to make him like infallible and like perfect and like no yeah he's just a a ba good guy doing ba good guy stuff but like they go to a point to actually point out the flaws in his philosophy and his, in the way that he kind of perceives criminals and, and, and crime and stuff. And it, it's just, it's so, such an interesting movie. And it's like, there's, there's some really, really like hardcore philosophical points that they've like nestled in the middle of this bloodbath of a movie. <laughs> that is, oh, it's just so good. And like there, and the cast is like freaking stacked too. There's a lot of people in this, in this movie too. Yeah, I I love Dread so much. Also, whether you intended it or not, you've now done back-to-back movies that Carl Urban has been in. Because <laughs> he was also great in Ragnarok. Behold! Yeah, was fantastic. My fantastic. stuff. <laughs> love that line. But also, is it Anderson was the rookie that he's training the same day, the girl without the helmet? Yeah. Oh, dude. She's awesome. If you're ever looking for, like, great female protagonist i think she's one of the most criminally underappreciated primarily because fortunately no one saw dread which means we never got a sequel even though it fully deserved it lena yeah. hetty is just despicable as mama uh dude I, it's so good the only reason this is on josh's list is because he couldn't put the raid because i mean but like but really <laughs> because like it's not a comic book movie but the raid is fantastic and this is just the raid uh, the with com- guns. <laughs> the, the raid with guns and comic book characters, and it's it's absolutely questionable. Drugs. CG lots blood. and lots, lots and lots of. I had no question. I'm fine. Whatever. The CG <laughs> like, had took some work, but I think that's that might have been due to like a not as up to par 
3D mm-hmm. post uh, post conversion because I remember that this was in 3D That's and the 3D right. was not particularly good. So once again, yeah. more reason to hate Avatar because I'm worried that theater is going to go back to oh hey let's just let's make 3D movies 3D. again because Avatar Gosh, did it. No. <sighs> so my number seven, Dread is very very violent. I would say somehow though it's less violent than my number seven because. Oh? My number seven goes for more of the realistic violence, whereas Dread is like sci-fi violence. I'm talking about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Attaboy! The movie that dethroned Aquaman as my favorite movie in the DCEU. I was excited for this movie, but I didn't know how much I would like it until the first five minutes when I'm just going, oh gosh, I'm in for something special. Yeah, I mean, I think we can talk about spoilers because it's been out long enough. But the moment that I knew, oh god, I'm watching something special, is did anyone check if the weasel could swim? And seeing <laughs> Weasel drown within the first five minutes when they've set up this character of like the most tough, awesome, hardcore mercenaries, and this one thing that no one really knows what it is, he's totally harmless. He's just murdered 17 children. He just drowns in the first five minutes. And then the next five minutes, you see Nathan Fillion pop his arms off and slap people in the face. Like, yes, you've got the stupid humor. You've got the Mm -hmm. gruesome violence. But also, you get arguably one of the most beautiful scenes ever written in a comic book movie of why rats, Papa? Because they're the most lowly despised creatures in the world. If they have a purpose, so must we all. And I'm going... Dude, that is so hard. And, like, they've set it up perfectly that Bloodsport has a fear of rats. And so Rat Catcher summons all the rats. And she's just holding Bloodsport as he's more or less fully immersed in his childhood trauma. And is slowly working his way through it. But my favorite aspect of the Suicide Squad is the beginning. You set up this, like macho i'm better than you dick swinging competition between peacemaker and blood sport and you're just going it's just two alpha males trying to control the group when in reality the movie is actually setting up the main conflict between the hero and villain and you're going mm-hmm. holy crap that's brilliant that way when spoiler peacemaker turns heel via uh amanda waller's like secret mission for him yeah and he's now going to kill Ratcatcher. you're going oh Bloodsport has to stop him. Oh, that explains why they've been setting them up as rivals this whole time. This was brilliant. And you actually got me to care about the death of Rick Flag. Like, dude, that hurt oh my God. so much. I'm not okay with that. And the fact that they continued that with Peacemaker and like actually feels guilt and remorse. Uh, you had the balls to have Starro as your main villain and Polka Dot Man, who... I just listened back to that episode today. I was on Polka Dot Man's side since day one, and I was vindicated because, Mom, he's a superhero! (laughs) And then we know what happens afterwards, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best Harley Quinn we've ever gotten of her Mm -hmm. actually having a good arc of, even though they don't have Joker, it does a better job of Harley breaking free of Joker's possession better than Birds of Prey ever could of, Mm -hmm. I'm my own strong, independent woman... All the cast have their own amazing arcs. You have a scene that makes you feel something inside with just a shark man looking at a couple and thinking, I wish I could have that. 
but you understand what he's feeling without mm -hmm. any spoken dialogue. It's so beautiful. Yes, it's hard R. It's crude, it's crass, it's bloody, it's violent. It's also profoundly moving and entertaining and somehow life-affirming. You just stand up and cheer by the end of it. It's a mixed bag of everything good, and I can't believe that's what James Gunn is able to produce. I didn't have doubt so much, but I just didn't expect him to deliver this much. Yeah, and that's why it's my number six. Uh <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, dude... It is so, so, I think saying this movie is so, so good is an understatement at, at best. Uh, like, you, like the music's fantastic. The way that they, that gun kind of like. listened to Ratism dude, so many times. I bet, I bet. But like just him pulling the, 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 the rug out from under you within the first 10 minutes. Of like, hey, yo, like, no, nobody's who, nobody is safe in this film. And like immediately, like the amount of times you think Harley is actually and legitimately dead and they actually sell that to you and you as an audience member believe it because you made us care about all these characters in the first two minutes and then legitimately murdered all of them. It's fantastic. Uh, King Shark while not my best favorite version of King Shark, King Shark is a shark, um, is still in... <laughs> Had I read. Yeah, I We're all going to die. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Um, gosh. Like, this movie hits on all of the notes that is, is my humor. But like you said, like it is incredibly moving. The, the way that... Um, the death of Rick Flag is the motivator for Peacekeeper's cha personal change in his. What did I say? Peacekeeper. Ah, same thing. Um, <laughs> gun, isn't it? <laughs> it is. A, it's a gun in Apex. Let's go, baby. Um, but <laughs> is the change the more the for Peacemaker? Uh, in in the sh in his show that came out just shortly after this, which is fantastic is like you see the pain in it first of all i like i knew john could act but like holy crap does he like that piano scene oh so good but specifically when he kills rick flag the look on the 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 amount of emotion that he conveys in his eyes of like yo like i'm doing what like i think is right but like is this really right? Dude. Uh, Nate's got popping his eyes. I've What's seen up, buddy? this movie several times already, but I'm just now yeah. dawning on me. You think the reason Peacemaker had that reaction when he killed Rick Flagg is it was almost identical to when he accidentally killed his brother? <gasps> no! It is! It literally is! Because he like literally saw He's like, no, I don't want to kill you because I consider you a brother. Like... Oh no, that was not an emotional note that I was ready to no, realize on, on Mike. Oh my gosh, no. Like, <laughs> it, obviously, he killed his brother by accident, but almost like yeah. the, while they're quote unquote fighting, you think there's going to be some other form of resolution, but he accidentally ends up killing them both. Oh. Damn you, James no. Gunn, your masterfulness. How dare you? And like, using a throwaway joke like i use smaller bullets 
for an actual story resolution was like, oh my gosh, so smart. I I understand. This and he movie had Calendar is, Man. Yeah, dude, like oh, there's so much good stuff. I I understand if this movie is not for everyone. I completely get that. But gosh dang it, if this isn't one of the best comic book movies ever made. Yeah, it oh, it's just so good. So that was your number six. My number six, a lot of people are going to be shocked that I had this yes. so low. Logan, the movie okay. that honestly is probably, besides The Dark Knight, is probably the best made superhero movie of all time. It's on my favorites list just because it's not one I could just, hey, I feel like watching a nice, lighthearted superhero movie. <laughs> Let's go watch your childhood favorite die a brutal death when he has to come to terms with his own youth. Going multiple care childhood favorite characters die. Oh, dude. And Stephen Merchant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, him too. <laughs> but oh, like we knew going into Logan that it was going to be emotional and we were pretty confident that both Logan and Professor X were going to die, but we were not expecting how impactful that it would be of. So this is what it's like to have a family. Then those are like the last words Professor X says before he dies. Mm -hmm. like, but take out the sad death. It's such a moving story. It's, it really is just a Western. It's a lone cowboy basically who's outlived a specific generation and it's kind of just mm -hmm. wandering aimlessly hoping to die someday but he's been cursed with not being able to do that uh while caring for basically his old father so to speak it's so emotionally impactful it's basically the last of us almost yeah an old man an old bearded man in flannel helping a younger generation that's a cure for something or a special child across country somewhere. Um, it's what can I say about Logan? that hasn't already been said mm -hmm. just like the suicide squad made me feel a whole bunch of different things. Joy um, and strong emotion of happiness, sadness, everything in between Logan was that just primarily the sad, but in a good way, it felt cathartic. It was such a beautiful end. And I, if you're if you say otherwise, you're absolutely in denial. But when we all saw this in theaters and he's holding X-23's hand in his, everyone's just bawling their eyes out. It's just super sad. But then she buries him, puts the cross over his tomb. Not a dry eye in my theater. And then the fools that this movie, the makers of this movie are. They had to go and turn the cross on its side, make it an X, in which case everyone's bawling their eyes out, going, oh, no, but also there's no better way to end it. Like this, oh, it's so beautiful. I understand Hugh Jackman not wanting to come back to Wolverine after such a beautiful end, but Logan is just, it's what superhero movies could be if treated with reverence and respect. Granted, not all superhero movies need to be Logan. I'm glad we didn't get a whole bunch of Logan copycats after that. It was a mm -hmm. very special occasion, and I'm glad James Mangold was allowed to make an R-rated movie, and that we got to see Berserker Wolverine one time before he was retired, because 
Oh, that Woods Rampage scene. Oh, so perfect, dude. So good. Love it. There's a there's a there's a lot I'll say later about Logan. Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, dude. Like it's a it's a great time. Um, I think we are on number five, and it is mm-hmm. your turn to start, my friend. Spider Man Homecoming. Interesting. Okay. It had to be somewhere, and everyone's going, you put Homecoming above Logan? Yeah, I've seen Homecoming more times, and it makes me less sad. This is a favorite to <laughs> remember. Uh, yep. But Homecoming, as a person that grew up reading Spider-Man a lot, I read a lot of the original Stanley and Steve Ditko ones. I always wanted a Spider-Man that was in high school and stayed in high school and dealt with high school stuff. Like, Toby did it in his first movie for a little bit, but they, if I remember correctly, his graduation from high school is in the first movie. Like, they wanted to get him out of high school as quick as possible. Andrew, it's the beginning of his second movie. They yeah. want to get them yeah, out yeah. of high school as quick as possible from going. But but there's a lot of high school stories to tell with Spider-Man. That's part of the appeal is he's a struggling kid. Like, I still to this day, the best Spider-Man scene is not in Homecoming. It's Civil War when... You get a in- character introduction to him and he dumpster dive for a computer and builds computers and he doesn't do sports. Uh, he's worried about tests. That's Spider-Man of the day-to-day stuff. I love before he suits up for his nighttime activities of being Spider-Man, he goes around school for a while, going from class to class. I'm like, this is what I wanted. The day-to-day regular stuff. Now, granted, Tom Holland is one of the biggest and hottest names in Hollywood now. But when he first started in Homecoming, he was an average-looking kid. Like, Andrew Garfield, not... (laughs) Sounds horrible, but he's not ugly enough to be Peter Parker. Guy is too attractive. He is so cute. But Tom is a very average... Like, he looks like someone that I would have hung out with in high school. Mm. he, He has high school problems. And also, I appreciate that Homecoming... The main threat is not the world ending. It is someone stole a plane with expensive toys on it. I appreciate the small stakes of it. Also, Michael Keaton makes me poop my pants. Because (laughs) good old Spider-Man will always be around to save the day. And you're like, well, consider me terrified and amused. Oh, gosh. Um... But I love that even from the get-go, when he's got that great scene with Ned, of there's just like, you bring your spider suit? Uh, I thought I was just going to go as Peter. Nobody wants that. And so he's going to come <laughs> in as Spider-Man later, but he sees something off in the distance, and he's like, I want to stay for the party, but I know I got to take care of that because that's my that's my job is to be Spider-Man. And he runs through the, the open golf course because i've always wondered the question i'm sure all spider-man fans have what does spider-man do when he doesn't have tall buildings around well now we have the answer he runs through like ferris bueller and i loved it and i won't go into all the details but because i've beaten it to death like a dead horse on this podcast but the scene where he gets crushed by the rubble by the vulture fantastic i will never not get choked up by that because that's that's the spider-man i remember as a kid a sad helpless spider-man that will always find a way to lift the burdens of life lift him from others lift him from himself by having a cheery disposition he will always be there 
to make life better for those around him. And he will always be the hero that the world needs. Um, it's a smaller stick story. I love that. It just, it got Spider-Man back to the basics that I always wanted. It didn't feel too grandiose. It didn't feel like they were in a rush to mature him, which I really liked. I appreciate, yeah, I agree. Fantastic. Great start to the trilogy. Um, I have a vivid memory of getting that text message from you for from the first trailer when he opens up and gets the spider the web wings and i was like and you i just remember you being like that was the one thing i didn't think they would ever do i didn't That's put it so in the video crazy. i said it and i cut it out and i'm still mad that i did <laughs> but it's it's such a fantastic introduction to tom holland's um spider-man absolutely uh with obviously much better things to come uh <laughs> There's so much. Uh, the second one, Far From Home, is it's, it's a movie fine. that exists, but I hate yes. a lot less having seen the full picture. Yes, I agree. Now, because of the third, of the third, uh, because of No Way Home, I definitely feel better about uh, Far From Home. So yes. there's that. What is your number five? Uh, number five. We're starting to really dabble into the, like some of the more recent ones here. Catwoman. Uh, uh, the Batman 2022 is at wow. my number five. So there's that. <laughs> um, I so for those who have, I won't go too deep into spoilers because I mean I guess it is on HBO Max. So like, what are you waiting for at this point? If you haven't seen it, um, it is easily one of my favorite Batman movies of all time. Um easily without a doubt i think you and i have been saying for a long time we wanted a detective batman and when matt reeves was first interviewed about this movie at dc fandom all those years ago god he was like i've always wanted a dc uh, a detective batman and both you and i were like oh oh we are in for a treat and it, for me it's the little things i love that we never get an arsenal reveal i love that we he just is constantly solving problems with uh, with gadgets we didn't know he had because it's not about the gadgets it's about the problem solving just i the villain fantastic the plot is a little uh, his plan is a little interesting but and uh, there's a, there's a lot of questions that are raised upon like when you start thinking about everything but like at the same time like gosh catwoman fantastic um colin collins freaking penguin I don't like know what you're talking about colin farrell's not in the batman it's he's some, not in this film it's somebody there's else. no way there's i still like i've seen the makeup breakdowns i've seen the like the layering i've seen it all that is not colin there's no there's just no way uh i love that in in, in interviews he was like it was weirdly the most freeing experience as an actor i've ever had and i was like all right, Colin, you do you, you're, you crazy dude, you do you. Um, fantastic. Batman, uh, Bat, Batmobile, like that reveal towards the end of the film, fantastic. I love that the, the trailers showed showed us just enough uh, to be like, okay, cool, so this might happen and this might happen. And for the most part, I think all of us were right about the plot of the, of the movie, but it unfolds it unfolds in a way that I don't think any of us expected. And gosh, it's just so gripping and fantastic to watch. There's also something with the Batman that I wish we got from more superhero movies. And I love the Batman more so for doing it. And it's 
heroes saving civilians. It sounds so simple, but so often with superhero movies nowadays, it's we've got our own stuff. Like the villain wants to just take out mm -hmm. the hero and that's it. And the hero is only really preoccupied with the main mission. I love seeing Batman get down into the water when everyone's afraid, lighting the flare and being the leader of all these people. Mm -hmm. Also, I did not catch this detail um, the first time that I watched it, and even the second time until somebody pointed out in like an Easter egg video. That happens at like eight or nine at night that the power goes out and everything's crashed and Batman leads people away. We see Batman again when the sun is coming up, meaning Batman spent all night helping people, mm. rescuing people, getting people and choppers into safety. And also it's symbolic that the sun comes up. It's it's a new day for Gotham. It's a new day for Batman. It's 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 a new everything. I love when that woman's being carted away in the emergency helicopter. She isn't afraid of Batman. She wants Batman with her because she feels safe with mm -hmm. batman mm -hmm. and he's got that great line about um the city has been hurt pain will always leave a scar but what do scars do they heal and they will grow you will be stronger for it and i'm going dude i'm feeling things right now i so often we don't get the heroes helping the little people they're so occupied mm -hmm. with the big picture that they don't help with the street level and i love that and i want to see that going forward more with the batman of the whole arc was i need to be fear no yeah no you need to be batman to which someone pointed this out and i'm going don't don't you put that in my head of in the first batman movie he calls himself vengeance so what if the mm -hmm. first one is i am vengeance and the next one is i am the knight and then the theme of the mm -hmm. third one is i'm right. batman i'm going don't you Put that out there. Don't <laughs> you do it. But no, The Batman, great. And even after just one movie, mm -hmm. I feel pretty confident saying Michael Giacchino's score will go down as one of the best movie scores for a, a comic book movie. Like, even if people have not seen Batman, you know the, you already know by now, bum, 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 bum. But honestly, just take that, the Jaws-esque music that is that. Mm -hmm. The score for the Batman is beautiful. Like, oh, I've listened to the Batman score so many times. It's just <laughs> no way, really. I couldn't. I couldn't tell at all. There, it's buddy. like I have. It's like I listen to movie scores a lot, but it's the music is more beautiful than I was expecting. I was expecting dark yeah. ambiance, but there's a lot of slow peaceful music like when he's sitting by alfred's bedside that's a beautiful piece of music yeah. the sonata in darkness is great just the batman we've got a sequel announced now i just need robin and i need it to be here tomorrow <laughs> soon my friend soon not soon enough All right. <laughs> on to our number fours so I'll keep on the train of the Batman. Okay, okay, okay. The Dark Knight. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll allow it. I'll I didn't say it, sure. rises. I didn't yeah, say rises. No, yeah, I my brain I was saved like that for this number one. Oh boy, I I legit would like quit the call. I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie to you. <laughs> no, uh, Dark Knight Rises is 
It's a movie that exists that honestly it's one of the movies that I've seen the most in theaters, but that's that's a whole long story for another day. The Dark Knight, on the other hand. Yeah. It's it's one of the strong contributing factors to why this podcast exists today. Um mm-hmm. Dark Knight was like for a lot of people, a Dark Knight was the movie that got them into movies. For a certain generation, it was Star Wars. I feel like for our generation, a lot of people gravitated towards the Dark Knight. Not just me, but a lot of people were like, wow, this was not what I was expecting. It was so much more. The Dark Knight revolutionized what comic book movies are. It's not just Batman versus Joker. It is what is the value of one individual trying to take down a whole mob can anyone be truly good in the world is there a little bit of gray area um are other lives worth it if it means saving even more people at some point these are real heavy questions that are asked Mm -hmm. in a batman movie uh the only issue is if you want to call it an issue and josh and i have talked about this before of heath ledger's performance is so good it does tend to overshadow the rest of how good the movie is. Poor Aaron Eckhart delivers an amazing performance as Two-Face, but unfortunately, everything gets drawn back to Heath Ledger of just like, he's so great, which he is, but everything else is great too. Let's not forget one of the greatest lines in any movie ever. So let me get this straight. You think that your client, the richest, (laughs) most powerful man in the world, spends his nights pounding criminals to a pulp and your plan is to blackmail this person good luck like <laughs> come on man only morgan freeman could have delivered that line christian bale is for the time being my favorite batman the only reason i say that and not battinson is because battinson has one movie so far just give him that's fair just give I'll him give another you that. one i'll give you that just give him another one he's already well on his way by spending most of the time in the suit uh the dark knight is something special changed my life so it'll always be in the conversation somewhere even if it's not in the top three yeah no i agree it definitely finally uh brings us a version of joker that is not i'm not going to use the world word realistic no don't care um I'm going to use the word um, not he, – he, he's not goofy. Like, as kind of scary as Jack Nicholson's could be, he's still pretty goofy. Uh, he's still, like uh, – he's still comic booky. Whereas this, there is no no real to – to a fault, in my opinion, no real comic nod to the – to Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, aside from he wears a purple suit, he has green hair, he has clown makeup, he's kind of crazy. Um, the, the the which aren't really like it's not really a nod to the comics, but it it, it, it character wise is what he is. So he's definitely a Joker. But I this movie's fantastic. I pop always st- still to this day pop hard to the sonar stuff. Um, the only time close... we'll ever get white eyes. Yeah, that was like the only time. Um, still cool stuff. Uh, gosh, just such a great film. Great times. Um, I I have fond memories of it. And obviously, <sighs> Rises had, had a tough act to follow when it comes to, to, to it. Everyone had big expectations. Um, 
And unfortunately, I don't think that's why Rises is bad. Rises yeah, is anyway. not a sequel to The Dark Knight. It's a sequel to Batman Begins, so to speak. Yeah, and absolutely. Dark Knight just kind of fits in there, but it fits in really, really well. Um, that entire trilogy is so well cast. Yeah, I'll give I'll give Rises that. While well, I'm not for a fan Mary of Cotillard. Yeah, uh, well, but like her tally has sucked. Yeah, but like. If we had more time to realize that she was Talia, I think I don't know. Oh no, I, I knew it was know. Talia going into the movie, unfortunately. <laughs> I yeah, and like Tom Hardy again was so well cast, but like they did weird things with him. Again, you know what I mean? We've said it before. If Warrior version of Tom Hardy was Bane, oh gosh, y'all would be pooping yourself because there's a look yeah. in Warrior when he knocks out a guy that he basically has murder in his eyes. I'm like that that's the bane i wish we got yeah absolutely um but that being said dark knight easily is the movie that solidified everybody's opinion about well i'm gonna say like 80 percent of the casual movie going audience that uh christian bale is the is batman for a lot of people and i for now but i can't blame them for that i don't completely agree but i think and i think that's very like pound stone headed of you but yes, people you're an adam west up. person oh my okay i, I i'm gonna bring this up and then we'll move on but did you see quarter crew's uh yes. video where they where the they replaced the batman 66 <laughs> yeah dude it's so great i've watched it multiple times it makes me laugh every single time so what's your All number right. four <sighs> spider-man no way home is my number four fantastic um, i i feel like it might be higher on yours um i i'm not not gonna if, i'm not gonna tip my hand but i if it's if it's not higher on your list then it's not on your list i at least in my in my perspective um so spider-man no way home fantastic one of the best movies coming coming up that has come out this year um gosh dude like what can I say about this movie that hasn't been already or that hasn't already been said? Um, the returning Spider-Mans with Toby and Andrew, fantastic. They treat those characters, the actors, and the stories that they're coming from with a, an incredible amount of respect and and just this knowing of like the fans' opinions about certain things and just Tom, just. Just Tom Holland. Tom, if, Tom gets freaking, the crap beat out of him, and I dude, love it. Because that's what his uh, Spider-Man has needed. His Spider-Man, for lack of a better term, has been pampered. He's been protected. He's been shielded from the world. I love the scene after May dies, and he's sitting on the billboard. And Jay Jonas is on the big, huge billboard. Everything Spider-Man touches turns to ruin. Like, in that moment, J. Jonah is still actually sad over the death of May, even though he never met her. Like, this is clearly a tragedy, but he's just like, no, this is all Spider-Man's fault. And unlike other J. Jonah Jameson stuff, he's actually right this time. It is yeah. Peter's fault, and I love that. It's also one of the most, like, visually striking moments in the whole movie. Like, typically, John Watts' cinematography isn't overly special. It's not, like dune where you're gonna be like oh wow that's a beautiful shot but when mm -hmm. he's just standing there like backlit with big old jay jonah i'm like that's beautiful but yeah no way home 
fixes stuff not only with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but with other Spider-Mans too. Of all the other Spider-Mans, it's just been like, mm-hmm. really? Spider-Man just kills his enemies willy-nilly. Nope, we're going to fix that. Y'all hated Amazing Spider-Man 2? We're going to fix that and give some actual emotional depth to this to the point of Andrew Garfield's almost the the more emotional character besides mm-hmm. Tom Holland because I've seen that scene over and over again when they first meet Tom and it's like, yeah, I have some idea of what you're going through. Don't tell me you know what you're going, what I'm going through because you don't. And then they cut back to Andrew and my heart just shatters into a Dude. thousand pieces. Because oh. then Tom's just like, I did everything I could, but I couldn't save her and it's all my fault. And they cut back to Andrew going, stop cutting back to Andrew. Don't just, just stop. <laughs> I'm not emotionally ready for you to keep cutting back to Andrew. Stop it. And then once we get to the Statue of Liberty, we kind of got the pieces rolling of going, oh, we see in the trailer that MJ is going to fall. They're not going to have Andrew catch her, is he? And so she falls. Peter goes to make the save. And I remember my theater audibly gasped when Green Goblin sideswipes Tom. And everyone's like, dude, no. To which I'm just sitting in my seat going, they're going to do it. They pan over to Andrew Garfield, who's got the pained expression of no, not again. Won't let this happen to one of my brothers in the words of Andrew Garfield himself goes mm-hmm. and then my theater almost cheered just as loud when he saved her as when he showed up through the portal for the first time yes. it was it was the sense Good. of catharsis of going no not again also i need to if i didn't already i'll send you an edit that i found that when they do when tom hall meets the spider-mans for the first time it shows flashbacks to the moments that they're talking about oh. so when tom when toby's just like my Uncle Ben was killed. It shows in black and white the night that he gets shot and everything else. And then when Andrew's just like, there was Gwen. And it just shows him holding her body. Cuts back to him. She was my MJ. And it just lingers on that shot for a while. I'm going, stop. Ugh. It makes oh. it so much worse and so much better. But no well, way home. Like, oh. Dude, and like his little line there. Um, the 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 whole That whole scene, Andrew's dialogue makes me want to go no, like i want that movie give me that movie please. i just don't want you to end up oh, like me like me i stopped pulling my punches i and got bitter I just, oh dude please yes give me that movie but you know he's already denied sony so whatever that is probably but, the yeah. best i don't want to ruin that legacy oh no but not then, at all but then tom at the end is the spider-man that we knew and love the greatest plot twist in recent comic book movie history is plot twist homecoming wasn't his origin story this whole trilogy was a spider-man origin story i'm going you had a plan i'm sorry i doubted you you had a plan because the minute may gets up and goes my mission no no you have a responsibility and with great power must also come great responsibility in that moment my whole theater the light bulb went off going this is what they've been gearing up for now granted i will still die on the horse that happy should have been the one that says that line and happy's the one that dies instead because he's been around longer but dies on the horse my dude but uh, yeah i i agree with you i mean but that being said um 
geez, I always forget her name. The lady that plays May, Aunt May. Um, oh, um, oh, geez. Marissa Tomei. Yes. She absolutely kills it in this movie, though. Like Goblin to killed be... her. <laughs> Speaking of Goblin, probably the best part, not the not even the best part, because there's so much good stuff, but like, gosh dang it, when William Defoe wants to be terrifying, William Defoe is terrifying. Like, Poor Peter Parker. Uh, strong enough to have it all, but too weak to take it. You're going, oh, oh he no. gonna mess you up, boy. Oh, when he's like, Peter's like got him against the wall, punching him, and, and he just stops just and laughing. smiles. Oh, dude. And then rock bottoms him through the floor. Oh, for through four floors. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's so much to love about this movie. Obviously, there's you can nitpick things here and there as far as the time travel and the way the spells work and blah, blah, blah. But like, well, in defense of the spells, yeah. it was not supposed to be Ned. It was supposed yes. to be America Chavez. But since that movie hadn't come out yet, they swapped the release dates. Doctor Strange was supposed to come out before Spider-Man. So that that kind of explains the Ned thing, which still is a little weird to me. But But yeah, you can nitpick, but I choose not to. But even like the nitpicks aren't that strong because in some ways they, they kind of, I, I love that it's Ned. I just love that it's Ned. Like I didn't know that, that it was supposed to be uh, America Chavez, but I just love that it's Ned. Ned deserves some time in the spotlight. And when he eventually becomes Hobgoblin, it's going to be heartbreaking. I can hear it now. I can literally hear it now. Peter, you broke your promise. You never, oh dude, get, let's, let's, Let's freaking go. I'm so stoked. Or better for yet, the next one. he seeks out MJ, but he doesn't seek out Ned. Oh, don't. What her? No. What made her more special than me? Oh, dude. So, <sighs> that was your number three, right? Uh, four. four. That was your number four? Yeah, my dude. Okay. So then, what's your number three? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Because your number four was Batman. Yeah, my number four was yeah. The Dark Knight. Okay, so, number three. So when they first announced Old Man Logan, there I was like, is. I was like, but that's a game world story and game world is weird and wacky. And I don't know how you're going to set that up in one movie and then also give it a good solid goodbye. This is before we trusted writers with <laughs> X-Men movies. Um, <laughs> uh I don't know how you're going to set up game world and then also have a good solid goodbye to, to uh, Hugh Jackman by the end of it. But gosh, dang it. Was I happy that we didn't really deal with game world and st still got us, got uh, an old, old man Logan scene. Um, I've seen the edits of when he places his uh, uh, X 23's hand in his for the one, one final time. And you hear the voice line from, from the You'll Wolverine. You'll die with your heart in your hand. In your hand. It was like, Oh, stop. No, sir. I, there's so much to love. Um, I love that. He, like Logan is legitimately just doing the best he can in this film. And it's just not enough until the end. Um, I just, there's the way that he because logan's always been this like grumpy guy like leave me alone blah blah blah, blah. i'm not going to help anybody but, but myself but like the fact that he ends up and partially because of x23 and, and, and xavier's stake uh, state ends up helping a bunch of new <laughs> new mutants 
Um, <laughs> oof. Um, I'd rather spend time with these get to safety. Yeah, same. Cause they're all like, I don't remember any names, but I remember certain powers and like, they were cool. And like, just like not in a way being able to say goodbye to Hugh without him also passing the torch off. I think that's very important to me, at least when it comes to Wolverine as a character, we've, we had him for so long. Hugh played him for so long. So, to not uh, and obviously there's other reasons why we don't haven't had a wolverine yet but um i love that the logan is about as much as a, a an old man logan story as it is a a, a love letter to the x-men movies of the past and while i love and not all of them are very good uh some of them are pretty bad uh but at the same time I do have some nostalgia for them. Like Juggernaut's lines go down in history. Are they for the stupid? Ability. Absol absolutely are they stupid. But I love them. And like I just like the first one is super cringe, but holy crap, is it like is it memorable? Again, for the meme ability. Like you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing as everything else. Stupid line, hilarious. Um but like Logan, if anything, is not just was ended up not just being a really good goodbye for Hugh Jackman, but it was a love letter to the X Men series. Um, I pretty sure Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix came out after it. Though. Yes, they did. So unfortunately, um, <clears throat> cringe. Um, yeah, but Logan easily it will all. I, I it's not one that I can watch often oh gosh i think no. i haven't rewatched it i want to say in a couple years and, it, and I, I i it's been at least two or three years bare minimum uh but so i, I, I might rewatch it but is to me the fact that it resonated with not just me but you absolutely um so much after one watch to me says how good of a of a not just a comic book movie but a movie it is because i think there's always that caveat of like oh, oh well, it's, it's just a comic it's good for a movie. yeah absolutely no like this is a good film all around so. yeah if it if no one if they didn't have superpowers and no one told you it was based off a comic book it i think would have been received even better which is saying something because mm -hmm. it already was well received my number three it's going to surprise Josh because I think he's expecting it somewhere else. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. No, yeah, that's, I was like, yeah, top three. That sounds about right. <laughs> and technically, it was released in theaters, so you, it, it still counts. So and I got it. Locked colossally in theaters. <laughs> if I was alive at the time, I would have seen it. Actually, I might have been alive, but I was probably two months old. Um, yeah. I will still say it. Still the best theatrically released Batman movie. The Batman, if it stays on track where it's at, will surpass this one day. The, the franchise will if it continues its fantastic momentum of the first movie. Mask of the Phantasm still continues to be the most underrated superhero movie of all time. Not nearly enough people have seen it. And I think too many people either write it off of, one, it's an animated movie. So, unfortunately, people have to kind of throw that out of... It's an uh -huh. animated movie. That means it's not as good as live action. I'm going, really? Then how come an animated movie, whether it be Mask of the Phantasm or the Lego Batman movie, 
both of those somehow get the psyche and the character of Batman better than any live action version has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, and I've always said, I love the fact that the mask of the phantasm, it poses a question we've never seen before in Batman movies of what if Batman had the choice to be happy at one point, if he found happiness in his life, somewhere along the lines before he became Batman, would he have ever become Batman at all? It's kind of the question of different context, but if Bruce Wayne found Dick Grayson before he was Batman, would he have still adopted him and would they have still, would Dick mm-hmm. Grayson have had the influence? Now, granted, Andrea had a different kind of relationship with Batman, but much much much, much different, different. <laughs> depends on what side of tumblr you're on that day but, <laughs> but andrea beaumont poses this interesting question in batman's life of if she stuck around would there have been a batman in the first place in which case what does that mean for all of gotham it works as both an origin but not it's not an origin but it shows you how batman got to be the way he is with still to this day the greatest batman scene of all time he finds out andre is moving away which was total bs so he basically abandons any chance of having a happy life he's like nope it's not for me time to batman and so he goes down to the basement he's completely engulfed in shadow you get no detail so he's suiting up offers out his hand basically saying alfred give me the mask puts on the mask for the first time turns around he's still obscured in shadows and alfred is actually terrified of uh, you see somebody for the first time that you've known your entire life his entire life he's not bruce wayne anymore he's batman surely walker's outstanding music kicks in you're going that that's batman but also it has a fantastic villain and the phantasm which actually tricks you with its um voice acting of the person that voices the phantasm is not just different than who's actually under the mask but is also voicing another character in the movie itself so it kind of tricks you and going well it's clearly that person because the voice matches up with that character um mask of phantasm also knows how to use joker properly in a movie where he's not the main villain joker's (laughs) in it but he's not the main villain he's utilized perfectly phantasm is a great villain one of the greatest designs ever for phantasm i also probably one of the most brutal batman movies even if it's just a little bit but i still wince in pain whenever they're in the um that world's fair part and joker pilots the little helicopters and one of them cuts batman's arm the sound design Mm. on that is uncomfortable and then batman punches joker and knocks some teeth out and the sound design on that is uncomfortable (laughs) um mask of phantasm i've beaten this horse to death i've beaten it so hard that maybe someday the horse will come back to life via defibrillator but then i'll just beat it again this metaphor is getting away from me let's move on (laughs) (laughs) uh see the thing is i can totally see that mask of the phantasm making that kind of story happening to battinson i think giving battinson that opportunity to be happy would be very very interesting scarlett johansson is phantasm i don't hate that i don't hate that at all yeah i'd be down sure okay 
<laughs> or on it'd be Armas. interesting to say the least i mean but technically he did have i mean he didn't really have that opportunity with catwoman she wasn't really promising happiness just more like a different lifestyle also, you know what like, i mean did i get the sense from uh from batman and catwoman in the batman that batman was way more into her than she was into him a little bit yeah a little bit he's, and that's, he's just and that's fine. For catwoman basically <laughs> Oh, we we all are simping for Catwoman. We're gonna be real here. Um, no, we simp let... for Colin Farrell. <laughs> Colin's not in that movie. I'm just talking. <laughs> <about>. <laughs> jokes. We got him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> now we we don't have much else, but <laughs> we're coming here for the recurring jokes. Um, number two, baby, let's go. We're in the final stretch here. Um, you will not be surprised at all by my my last two. TMNT uh, from 2007. My number two is The Crow, starring there it Brandon is. Lee. There it is. Like, <laughs> um, obviously, it is uh, the to me the lowest budget film on the on this entire list. Um, was not given a very large budget. Um, the the tragedy of the death of Brandon definitely looms over it still to this day. Whether that's warranted or not, uh, I, that's uh, you know discussion for another day. But um, what a wonderful take on the revenge story! What a wonderful way to make your character an antihero, but not an antihero because he's like a shady person because the the oh geez what is his name i forget uh fun boy no the the the, the crow his actual name um, oh oh geez um, eric draven yeah there it is there it is uh eric is like a legitimately a really good dude there he is not blemished at all um and what he's doing is literally in the film is literally only because the crow has brought him back to life for that purpose and the revenge is absolutely warranted i love that they at no point try to give you any redeeming qualities about the villains while that is like very straightforward and kind of like okay cool but like no like these guys they're not good people on any way in any way and i love that and i i the movie definitely tries to dabble in some of the comic stuff with the 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 supernatural and uh when it comes to their villains um and like the 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 overarching villain does kind of come out of nowhere in the towards the end of the film they kind of introduce him but he's not really that big part of the story until he's like and his motivations to getting the to kit to um getting the crow aren't exactly like very clear but it's also like from the really early 90s and like I'll, I'll give it a pass but it is easily like one of my favorite comic book movies of all time um it's the only comic book character i've ever done a a uh halloween costume on i was eric draven Why for am halloween I not surprised one. i back when i had actual Lord. <laughs> back when i had hair um <laughs> i'm now just and, picturing that long hair i just can't see it yeah man. dude <laughs> it was funny because i remember showing up to a party and everybody was like 
who are you supposed to be? I was like, you know, the crow, uh, Eric Draven. Uh, why does nobody get me? Ooh. I'm a black. I'm going to go home and listen to my chemical romance CDs. On, gonna, Let me hike up my second belt. Uh, that's attached to my wallet somehow with a keychain. Yes. I'm going to have oh. my big old Jenko jeans. Mom, give me a ride home. Like, yeah, that was that was that was absolutely that that time in my life. No one in but youth yeah. group understands. <laughs> my youth pastor hates me and I don't know why. <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. Josh no, is I, a I, troublemaker I, name. I was I was dude, I have always been a troublemaker and it is my best quality. <laughs> That's what I tell myself when I'm sleeping alone. Um <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy what is your number two <laughs> well like my movie at number two it looks like josh has no end game in his life oh boo. i mean you're not wrong but boo. <laughs> avengers end game is my number two for a while okay. there captain america the winter soldier was my favorite marvel movie of all time in the mcu then end game came along mm-hmm. and i felt like the kid that got an A on the test because he did the homework. I felt so rewarded by the end of Endgame. Like it felt like a chap a very important chapter in a story was coming to a close. But everything got tied up really well. Really great callbacks to previous things. Um but all, all that being said, it's a good story. I've liked time travel movies. I know they're not for everyone. Back to the Future 2 is my favorite of the series, even more so than the first one, because I like the aspect of going backward and forward in time. I like that with Avengers. I know some people accuse it of just being a best of movie. Yeah. Like the MCU plays its greatest hits. I'm like, well, the hits make me happy and the hits keep coming because they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. Stop coming. (laughs) And I like the best of hits. But also, I. Whenever I watch Endgame, I will always just be transported back to a very happy time, which was the opening night. It's hard not to think of that opening night experience for Endgame because as a kid, I always wondered and always asked my parents what it was like to see the original Star Wars trilogies in theaters. Like with mm-hmm. my parents would always tell me, oh, yeah, they'd be so crowded. We'd have people sitting in the aisleways and thinking back on it going. That's, That's a fire what? hazard, but yeah, okay. you can't do that. All I right. would die for Star Wars. Okay, um, sure, sure, sure. But like those seemed like cultural events. Like you had to be there, and it's a, it seemed like a very big part of history. The only thing even remotely close to that that I could think of was the opening night for any Harry Potter movie. Like those always seemed like big events of like people in the midnight showings would come up in robes or be big parties beforehand uh-huh. but even then that didn't seem quite to the scale of star wars cut to the opening night of endgame and it felt like a freaking rock concert everyone was on the edge of their seat having a great time and if i ever get sad or just think too much of the world around me i will go back and watch clips of people reacting to the final 30 minutes of endgame it just makes me happy seeing Thor getting his butt kicked by Thanos, and then all of a sudden, dunt, dununt, the hammer slowly starts to lift up, and everyone's like, oh, what's happening? (laughs) Is it time? Because the funny thing is, when right before the movie started, in the weeks leading up to it, I was telling Heather, I was telling my parents, 
really the only thing I want from Endgame is I want to hear someone say Avengers Assemble and I want to see Captain America lift Mjolnir. I don't mm-hmm. think we'll get both of them, but just one of them I'll settle for. I had no idea that it was going to happen, so the hammer starts lifting up and going, are they going to do it? Dun, 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 dun. Everyone cheers the loudest I've ever heard. I bet I don't remember if I did or not, but I'm pretty sure I left my leapt up in my seat and just stood up and cheered. I was so ecstatic and going, finally, it happened. Oh, I feel vindicated. And then it's we've talked about it before. It's a wrestling match. The hero, the babyface, gets a comeback. They knock the bad guy off their feet, and then the bad guy squishes the ra- the rally. And then they're like, well, we're screwed now. That was Captain America's best shot. And now Thanos brings his whole army down. And as we talked about a few weeks ago in the best shots in movie history, you've got this gorgeous shot that personifies what Captain America is. You've got this one man who has the low ground. He doesn't even have the high ground, but the one ray of light is shining on him while he's got this whole army staring up against him. That's where he should have said, I can do this all day. Tightens the shield. But we didn't get that. And then you hear, I didn't hear that first line. I don't know why I think I just didn't hear it. So I didn't really, it didn't process in my brain who was speaking. And then you hear it again, Cap, can you hear me? It's Sam. And I remember there was kind of this delayed reaction in my theater of everyone's going, oh, cool. It's Sam. <gasps> Sam was one of the people that got dusted. <gasps> and then the, the thing opens up. Boom. 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 Da, na, na, na. Out comes Black Panther just going, oh, oh, oh Thanos, you gonna die, son. And then the Avengers music comes in more stronger, more stronger. I know words clearly stronger and more powerful than it's ever come in before. <laughs> like when you hear the Avengers theme, when the six of them gather in 2012, that was cool. But the music keeps building, building and building and building and crescendoing and crescendoing. And you're just going, Cool. More and more people. That's Valkyrie on a Pegasus. That's Pepper Potts on a in a suit. Cool. Go die. Then we see Wasp is back. Oh, everyone. And then Doctor Strange. Is that everyone? What, you wanted more? Ant-Man is now Giant Man. And he's holding Rocket Raccoon and an injured Hulk. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. Avengers. Assemble. <laughs> everyone in my theater just loses their mind. Because I remember... There's an awkward pause. He says, Avengers. Everyone's like cheering, losing their mind. And I was trying to like quiet everyone around. I'm like, he's going to send a thing. He's going to send a thing. Shut the heck up. Shut up. And it got quiet right as he was about to say it. Assemble. <laughs> I have been to a playoff game, a world, a MLB playoff game in 2009. I don't think it got that loud as it did when we saw Endgame and opening night. That's how much the crowd was into it. And then everyone's bawling their eyes out when Tony dies. I was crying, but also there might have been tears of joy at the same time, too, because you had it coming, you horrible, horrible human being. Um, <laughs> Cap gets his happy ending. Endgame, to me, it just was an experience. It is what comic book movies can be. It's a unifying thing. Yes, the movie has its faults, but I love the experience that I had with it. And I always have the memories with it. It's hard not to think about the stories that go into everyone has an end game story to a certain extent. And I love that, that 
I'm not saying it's the same as Star Wars, but in terms of communal experiences, I'd imagine yeah. that's kind of like what it was like for my parents that I always wanted to be a part of something like that. Yeah, because like our generation has had very few like cinematic events that we can like, point back. Hey, don't don't you dare slander Shrek. Paddington Two. I, apparently, is one of the best <laughs> movies ever made. Um, uh, but like, I agree. Like, it is definitely one of the best Marvel movies ever made. It to me, the only thing holding me back from putting it on this top ten is I feel like. And I guess, like, this, I could technically say this about, like, No Way Home and, like, Ragnarok. But, like, I feel like Endgame's biggest fault is that if you have not seen the decade of film before it, it, it really doesn't hit as hard or really hard. Uh, and to me, is that's its biggest, like, fault. That is I completely absolutely agree. not, like, me saying it's a bad movie because of it. But... For me, it's why it's not on this list. But it like I I like I have vivid memories of of hat of that night of seeing it opening night. I think it's one of the last times I went to an opening night. Um, because you know, like how do how do you top that? How do you top, how do you get better than that, man? Um, like everybody popping for everything, everybody. I'm like, yeah, it's just great times all around. Fantastic film. Um, the time heist will live again uh now we're just doing heists in the multiverse whatever one uh, way there lebowski <laughs> so yeah fantastic time good times all right so we are in our last ones huh our number ones yep all right i have good reason so i was a wee lad uh this i i was born in 92 didn't start going to like the library until i till like maybe 98 give or take yeah like my like i grew up in the library right that's where Same. i first first got dvd i first got vhs's of like mighty Morphin power rangers and like all, all those kinds of stuff and one day i snuck a vhs home that literally changed everything for me the 1990 teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles film was like my first like real introduction to nerd culture and by god it changed my life like it is i i i stand like it like my love of like comics and movies and stuff to me started with with that with the 1990 um teenage mutant ninja turtles it is charming funny it is scary at times it is that shredder is uh, terrifying and say what you will about the shredder and two he is like that guy that shredder is pretty my, my not... question for shredder and two is why did he switch from red to purple don't oh because purple's the uh the the color i guess i don't know and has they a different with... helmet now yeah yeah we, we, we won't talk about secret of the use uh because somehow three is better than two uh no, nobody, nobody's willing to have that conversation no um because yeah no, it's absolutely have, better i would absolutely rather have kino the annoying pizza guy than seeing michelangelo give a small child mouth to mouth oh god yeah <laughs> you forgot about that, uh, didn't you? Th there's certain parts of those, like, of two and three that I've just, like, blocked out of my memory. Oh, like, the fact that there's a different April O'Neil every single movie. <laughs> no, nope. It's the same one in two and three. 
that that doesn't matter. Three they also has the grown men in diapers running around the turtle cave uh, for half the movie. So, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> so the first one, the dynamic to, between uh, Casey Jones and Raph, fantastic, classic, incredible. Um, the just like your introduction to April, who is would have been very easy. April's one of those characters looking at you, Michael Bay, to turn her in just to this damsel in distress, and that's all she does. And she's not that strong of a character. She's just there for the origin story of the turtles. Um, this original, like, the turtles aren't who they are in this 90, 1990 film without April. They do not she's have a, a darker home. journalist. Absolutely. She's the one dogging and, the police for everything. <laughs> and But even then, they wouldn't have had a place to stay. I like at all when when they get pushed out of the sewers and and then obviously because they have to meet Casey and then Casey gives them a place to stay there but like April is absolutely absolute pinnacle to the turtles in this film and I love that Splinter would have especially as a as an animatronic uh creature would have been very easy to be extremely creepy and there are some shots that are if you take them out of context, are rather uncomfortable because he looks like a giant rat. He absolutely looks like a giant rat. And sometimes he's wet. And times you're like, I don't understand why you're wet. And that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to think about that. But like, he's also like top tier father, top oh, yeah. tier master in this, in this movie. Uh, like I just, you are everything filled with rage, my oh, son. Dude, like everything about this is to me, peak Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and everything that has come since has just been trying to get back to how good that this movie was. Uh, I think this closest we've ever gotten is that movie TM TMNT, which is criminally underrated. Fantastic. But like this movie started all nerd stuff for me. Like I'm, and I, I, I hear the joke in your head of like, well, have to do with animals much like red ball no but, april uh, is still a human we'll, we'll let you pass on that one <laughs> now if you said Fair. something about venus de milo then we have issues no we're not talking about venus. Or that triceratops uh, no. one from the animated series Ooh, no so anyway that triceratops uh, one always kind of reminded me of sarah from dressing from yeah, which is like Time. The, yeah which hit humanoid. me weird in the head like it like hit, it hit me weird in the head and the heart like did I, was I attracted to Sarah in Land Before Time? No, that's not a thing. I'm not attracted to this one. No, stop it. No, no, no. Um, you've never had that conversation with yourself? Just me? Got it. Okay. All right. Sounds good, buddy. <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to take the shovel out of your hand so you don't keep digging yeah, yes, yourself please. further? All, look, man, all I'm going to, I'll end on this is, I like, legitimately, this movie started everything for me, and it is so this is who has, we blame. This is has held up so well. Like it, I think watching it now, I mean, you can kind of tell that it's from the 1990s because it is dated, but like nothing looks bad. It's got its own. <laughs> it's got a very distinct style, which I think makes it timeless. Yes, I think absolutely. ages it a lot better. Also, you just got that terrifying shredder. You are here <laughs> because the outside world rejects you. Go on. Okay. You are terrifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, I I love the symmetry. It's like poetry. It rhymes. That my stop. My number ten <laughs> is your number one. We've come full circle in this. Yep. 
Yeah, I literally, when you said this is my number 10, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I love this. Symmetry is nice. We're the Wes Anderson (laughs) podcast here. Symmetry. (laughs) We're going to start changing from black black and white to color again. Change our aspect ratios. All of our stuff is symmetry. Our podcast is not going to be in a four by three aspect ratio, except when Josh is talking, in which case it's going to be 16 by nine. Bro, how funny would that be to set that up like as a podcast? No. Like, no. I understand absolute nightmare <laughs> to, to do, but like, just like idea of that. It's very funny to me. So my number <laughs> one, when I was making my list, I was just like, really, do I want to put this as my number one? Are, am I sure? Am I really positive above Endgame, above homecoming, above mask of the phantasm movies that I've stood on my soapbox praising basically since the founding of this podcast going, this is probably going to come back to bite me in the butt later, but I'm going to stick with it for now. My number one, Spider-Man No Way Home. boy. Yeah, okay. I was like, if, if it's not, at this point, if it's not your number one, it's just not on the list. Like, <laughs> And I know some go, people buddy. will be like, well, yeah, because of the cameos. It's different this time because the cameos yeah. actually are there to enhance the story. It is past Spider-Man's coming to teach our current spider-man going i don't want you to end up bitter and broken like me i don't and andrew gar and toby mcguire being the older brother just being like i've been here it's okay to mourn but we got to save them all that's what we do and i love that he says that line mm-hmm. we got to save them all it's what we do when referencing his villain the green goblin mm-hmm. like and the one that he would end up being there when he dies like he he has first-hand experience about that but leading up to it, I can't remember how many podcasts we talked about our dislike of what the MCU was doing with Spider-Man, making him an yeah, Iron Man junior, basically just going, well, Tony's not around, but someone's got to push those merchandise sales through the roof. Spider-Man, it's all you on you, buddy. Good luck. And we were lamenting that that doesn't feel like the Spider-Man we knew and love. It miss, feels like it's missing out on the core elements of the character. It was there a little bit in Homecoming, but they still lean too heavily in the Tony Stark stuff. When in reality, those are just training wheels for the Spider-Man to end up being the Spider-Man that we know and love. It's still, for the first two and a half movies, it's this untrained, raw kid that wants to do good, but he's so afraid of failing that he's totally comfortable being in someone else's shadow to kind of hide behind that. So each Mm. Spider-Man movie is part of this greater arc to be him becoming the Spider-Man we know and love. Homecoming is there of, okay, I need to realize that the suit isn't what makes me special. I am what's special. I need to accept that. While I don't think it's always executed the best, Far From Home is about him trusting the Peter Tingle, which comes into play heavily in No Way Home. It's about trusting himself and also being cautious about the world around him. Also, setting into motion that the world knows who he is because of Mysterio. Without that, he wouldn't have to have the world's memory erased. You can talk about the logistics of that all you want. But he's a more confident person by the time we get to No Way Home because he's had all these adventures already to the point of when May dies, it's meaningful because he's spent time with this character. We as an audience have spent time with this character as opposed to Uncle Ben, who is always in the movie for the first 30 minutes only to die Uh and give some sappy speech at the end when the hero needs it the most. This is 
while he's not as directly responsible for May's death as other Peters have been for their Uncle Ben's, it's still emotionally resonant of, you could have sent these guys back whenever. It is not your choice to save these people, but you willingly chose to save them because that's what Spider-Men do. This Spider-Man grew and evolved like a normal person does. He's made mistakes. He's a kid. He's allowed to make those mistakes. But then when the other Spider-Men show up, I'm not immune to a fun cameo, but these cameos worked. We talked about earlier how heartbroken we were seeing Andrew Garfield when he first showed up. And he's just like, you don't know the pain I'm going through. Yeah, kid, shut your mouth. He does. And Toby's just there looking like a cool youth pastor, which is one of the greatest lines ever in a comic book movie. You're going to go into battle looking like a cool youth pastor or you got a suit? Like, come on, man. that That's good line. And then Andrew Garfield saving MJ was mm-hmm. fantastic. Them doing the Peter pointing meme is fantastic. Them resisting the urge to do a Sinister Six movie and mm-hmm. not even getting close to it. I Because we talked about it of like, okay, who's going to be the sixth person so they can end up doing a Sinister Six movie? They didn't. They f- somehow not only fixed Tom Holland Spider-Man, but they fixed issues from previous Spider-Mans while telling a good story with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. The cameos were great, but they never took attention away from where the story needs to be. A man growing into adulthood, which that's really what No Way Home is. A boy graduating to man status. By the end of it, he's had everything taken away from him. He's got no home, no family, no friends, no identity. But I love that he has a smile on his face. Rent's due on the first of the month. Don't be late. Puts his stuff on the bed. He's happy because that's Spider-Man. No matter how much crap the world throws at him, he's still going to be happy. He's still going to grind. He's got the GED study manual. Makes me happy. See the little Lego Palpatine. I was like, oh, good callback to No Way Home. But the moment, almost if not more than Logan, I was sobbing my eyes out, was... We got a 2319 seeing the little police scanner. I'm going, he didn't, did he? Picks up his little mask from from his pillow. We pan over. He's got a sewing machine. (gasps) They did the thing! Because before Endgame, I said, I want an Avengers Assemble, and I want Cap to lift Mjolnir. Before No Way Home, I said, I don't care what it takes. I just want Spider-Man to be broke. And make his own suit. We haven't gotten it yet. And I don't get why. Well now I get why. To the point of it matters now. He has his own suit. Because he understands. With great power. There must also come great responsibility. And if that's not Spider-Man. I don't know what is. They they cracked the code. They made it. it they made me feel. We've said before. Amazing Spider-Man 2 has the coolest suit. Not anymore it doesn't. Because seeing Spider-Man just skate on a rooftop in this new Spider-Man suit that looks ripped right out of a John Romita comic. And then dun, 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 dun. I'm going. I was genuinely sad when the movie ended because I wanted it to keep going. I wanted to spend more time with my friend that is Spider-Man. I'm going, I need more. It was one of those comic movies that as soon as the movie was done, I was like, all right, what are showtimes? The closest, the fastest showtime for tomorrow morning because I need this again in my life as soon as humanly possible. I've made no secrets about how much of a Spider-Man fan is. I am. 
this was the Spider-Man I always hoped Tom would be when he first got introduced to Captain America Civil War, when he was funny, bantering with Falcon and Winter Soldier. We finally got to that point. But now that we've been on the whole journey, we understand why it took so long to get there. And I'm happy that we took the path that we did. And I honestly don't know if I would change anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I, as much as and I think we kind of talked about this briefly whenever I brought it up uh, earlier, um, as much as I don't like Far From Home all that much, it, it's still it has its place in the story. It's that awkward middle point. Uh, it's that, hey, like, you know, we've got to have these conversations before we can get to the other ones. Um, fantastic. Far from uh, No Way Home is just so good. Will always be good. I think at this point to now, we've gotten everything that we wanted basically out of out of a give or take, maybe not villain wise, but like checking boxes in Spider Man movies. Oh, in like, Spider Man movies, I thought you were about to say in comic book movies. I'm going. Oh no 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 no. Well, I would still like a good Sinister Six. Nah, oh, well, a sinister. Technically, we haven't had a sinister six, but yes, um, I agree. No, but like in a Spider-Man film, we got the spider signal. We've got the, the spider the web signal waves. needs to make a comeback. Oh. <laughs> um, he's broke. He's making his own suits. He, you like, we've got the spider meme. Like, it's, dude, if we get a spider bike at some th- at some point, I will absolutely like, I will laugh so hard because. Yes, please. No, you can shake your head. All Why you does want. he need a bike? He doesn't need a bike. He can <laughs> swing through webs. He's not fast enough. He's not fast enough. <laughs> as much I as agree. I like the Drake Bell Spider-Man, why does he drive a bicycle on webbing? Why? Besides toys. I mean, obviously toys, duh. <laughs> but he is Spider-Man, not a rescue hero. <laughs> rescue hero bro um, don't get me down that rabbit hole <laughs> um so most of my puzzle solving ability comes from that show and i don't know why um rocky canyon but... for president <laughs> he had a grapple I... hook god that's god. okay no 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 we're not going down to rescue <laughs> heroes tangent. we're just not what's next happening. week how to book a live action rescue heroes movie Say less. And they, Say all, less. they all have gigantic boots. Uh, dude, I'm, I see no issue with this. Absolutely. <laughs> Jessica Chastain is Wendy Waters. Oh, no. Oh, Tom no. Tom Selleck no, no, is no. Billy Blazes. Mm, I almost want to. I kind of want JK. JK Simmons <laughs> as, as Billy Blazes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, oh, dude, there's so many castings we can do. Oh, no. This is, okay, no, no, too no. Niche. We're not, we're not going down this rabbit hole. We're not <laughs> going down this rabbit hole. We're talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Um, we've checked all our boxes at this point. Now, give us a, give us Venom. Give us Rhino. Give us Scorpion. Give it like now we can actually get into like the really cool stuff and some really fun stories. Uh, maybe not do Craven for now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, that's happening. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. What well, what do you guys think? What are your all time favorite comic book movies? It could be either Marvel, DC, or independent like Ninja Turtles. Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us to whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, help us get to 700 subscribers. That's our goal for the end of the year. We're almost at 600, so help us get to that goal post first. 
And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.